This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Wrestling Omakase, episode number 71. And this week on the show, I am joined by a returning guest and a first-time guest. So let's start out with the returning guest. Hello to Rich Kreich, the boss man. The boss is here. What's up, Rich? What's going on? I like to think of myself as the guardian angel. The guardian angel? <laughs> the, what was the other one? The uh, He had another the, one that was very close the to boss. the boss man. That now yeah, just, The boss, the right. Boss. <laughs> it was like, no, it's not the boss man. It's the boss. <laughs> What do you mean? No, it's completely different. Intellectual property. No, hello. Thank you uh, once again for having me on here. I'm pretty excited to do this uh, this episode. Yeah, this should be fun. Um, of course, Rich, you're from the... If, if for some reason you only subscribe to this show instead of the network, uh, Rich is from the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. So that is where Rich comes from. Hello. Uh, yes. I'm sure this your, your episode <laughs> should be going up like a day after us, right? I assume. I think so. Yeah, yeah. We're hopefully going to record the day after we're recording today in this universe so we don't have to say the date exactly. But yes, no, it should be up probably about a day after uh, you guys listen to this. So yeah, definitely check that out on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, also VoicesOfWrestling.com, and also follow us on Twitter at Voices Wrestling. So you guys are going to be talking Ryo Gokutan this week, right? So I'm excited. We are. We might even lead off with it. I mean, honestly, there's not. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of stuff going on in in, in WWE land, but uh, I think, yeah, we both watched it. So I think there's a good chance we start with Big Japan for the first time in, in years. So. That was an awesome show, so I'm excited. It was good. Really good, yeah. And then our first-time guest, hello to Mr. Tate Machines. Uh, Scott, how you doing? I am um, good in general. I'm a little sick, so everyone's going to have to uh, luxuriate in my scratchy voice. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to do the show. Uh, we asked you, we talked about maybe doing, uh, the WWF recap show and I was a little fuzzy on a couple of those years. So I turned that one down and I hoped I would get a chance to come back on or, uh, come on for the first time at some point. And this one was, um, definitely right up my alley because I am fuzzy on none of these things. Um, <laughs> I have a pretty good memory of WCW. Uh, it was, you know, my favorite company at the time so uh yeah yeah. are we all in agreement by that were we all wcw kids because i was like i started with wwf i guess like that's what my cousin was into but it was really like wcw like nitro in like 1997 that like i really like jumped full into and then like into 
you know, Thunder in 98. Like that was my, what I really grew up with. And that's what I really liked as a kid. So. Yeah. I definitely was. Yeah. I, I was definitely that way. Sorry. Sorry not to cut you off. No, uh, no. Scott, but no, I was definitely like, I, I always liked WWF and, but I always really liked WCW a lot more. And like, I, I watched WWF, you know, like 93, 94, uh, mostly because whatever was on after it on Saturday mornings, I think it was like Pacific Blue or something like that. But it's like, <laughs> that's the only reason I really watched wrestling because I was like, when's Pacific Blue going to come on? Like, or whatever, whatever dumb Saturday morning show that my idiot little kid mine wanted to watch. But, um, so I watched it a little bit then, and then I kind of fell off, and I got back in, in, in 97 because of WCW. I mean, I was I turned it on, and it was like Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And they're all different, and they're unique. And just it was a completely different show. And even going back now, I mean, I will watch the hell out of an old Nitro. I'll watch the hell out of an old uh, WCW pay-per-view. I have a real tough time watching you know anything old WWF or you know or anything of the 90s WWF or whatnot. It just yeah. doesn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just doesn't quite work for me. Man, I could put any episode of Nitro on to this day and still really enjoy it so no i i always kind of it, it sucked because everybody more gravitated towards wf and i get it it was obviously a little bit more and, and everybody obviously gravitated towards wf my buddies did as well but deep down i was always kind of a big wcw guy and always really enjoyed wcw more i mean that first hour watching it unopposed was my favorite because it was like yeah all wcw and then you know i jump back and forth or whatnot but i would usually stick with wcw longer than uh, WWF. So yeah, I consider myself in some ways kind of a, a WCW kid in that way. Yes, exactly the same with me where I watched the first hour unopposed and then I'd switch back and forth. But I, as a kid, I remember just really being into like, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I was like a, a smart as even as a child because I loved the cruiserweights. Like I just loved watching yes. these tiny men just like fly around and do all this crazy shit. So I don't know, that was like, that started my love affair with like, you know, tiny fast paced men wrestling that I guess would later become <laughs> the first time I've found a Toriumon tape. But, um, but yeah. And then like, I was deep in denial about WCW's decline and in like 98, I would just insist like, no, it's still good. And then, you know, as my friends and everybody else moved more and more towards WWF and, you know, by the time you got to like 99, I think everybody kind of gave up the ghost, but um, yeah, it's a, it was a weird a weird but cool time and then obviously i went back and watched a lot more of the stuff i had missed uh so that's that's another question then for both of you how did you did you watch any of these interviews contemporaneously like at the time like did you have access to like a box or something or were your god you know if your parents were actually ordering you pay-per-views every month because i i had a family member who had like one of those you know uh not legal boxes and I did see a great deal of WWE pay-per-views in like ninety, like ninety-seven to ninety-eight before they lost, and WWF pay-per-views where they lost the box in like ninety-nine. So obviously, I went back and watched almost all of this later on the network, but um, contemporaneously, like probably ninety-seven to like ninety-nine is when I saw the almost every show as it happened. What about you guys? Uh, yeah, the um, the first pay-per-view I ever ordered um, was Starcade ninety-six. I was 14. I had to see Hogan and Piper. Um, like it was just, it was something I remember from being a really little kid and they did the, you know, at the time I thought it was a good promo at the end of Halloween Havoc 96. Um, and I, that was the first one I ever ordered. I ordered that with Christmas money. And then a few months later, I, my birthday is in March. So I went, I, I wound up getting Starcade and WrestleMania every year with, with different like holiday money. Um, and I also got Bash at the Beach 97, which I ordered that one by bullshitting my way through repainting my uh, aunt's deck, like her pool deck. 
and I didn't do a good job at all. And I pretty much abandoned it as, as soon as I had the uh, $30 <laughs> to order Bash at the Beach 97 uh, to see Dennis Rodman's debut. Um, and then after that, uh, 98, I had a friend who his mom had one of the boxes. Uh, a lot of the time I would watch through the scrambling because I would either get um, on the scramble pay-per-view channel, I would either get really good audio so I could listen and it would just have no picture or I would have pretty good picture and no audio, so I would watch on mute. Um, so I was pretty plugged in every pay per view, even if I wasn't actually uh, uh, watching. I definitely legally. did that. I definitely did the scramble thing a few times. I was I not I was not a few times. I was an every month scramble kid. So like my mom yeah. was never ever gonna buy me a pay per view ever. And and then when she found out that I could listen to them for free, then she was like, "Well, now I de- I never should have told her that." <laughs> like I showed her that you could do this, and I was like, "See, this is awful. I can't watch it." And she was like, "Well, no, you can hear it just fine." And I was like, "Oh, you're right." Like so, I kind of used it as like a radio. Uh, which was not the best for Tony Schiavone. <laughs> like at that point, like 98 and Tony Schiavone calling wrestling that he'd already kind of given up and was kind of over it. But no, I was a uh, pretty much from mid 97 until God, 2000, every single month, I was a scramble vision kid where I would just go down there. And, and I remember I had like a little basketball hoop in my basement or like, I just like wrestle or I'd play video games or I'd, I'd, I'd have something that I could do with like a, a spare TV. So I kind of always enjoyed that as well. So I was definitely a scramble vision kid, but I did, uh, I did also have a, a buddy who had a black box and occasionally he would give me VHSs, and for whatever reason he only recorded wcw pay-per-views like i don't know if he just didn't care about WWE pay-per-views or maybe that was me asking for wcw pay-per-views i don't remember but i do remember vividly like once every few months like being able to pop in a a, a black boxed uh wcw pay-per-view so I, I i definitely remember that so i was mostly scramble vision for the pay-per-views but uh and and like yeah every single week of nitro too i never ever ever missed uh, an, an episode of nitro i remember one time i i joined a basketball league uh, as as a kid and it was on Mondays we had practices and I was pissed I was like mom I I can't do this and like I was already at that point becoming a fat little kid because I was watching so much wrestling probably so she was like no you definitely need to be in this basketball league but man it it it, it was tough I really 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 did not want to miss any episode of Nitro ever so I uh yeah it, it definitely sucked and once that league was over it was uh it was definitely good and I made sure to never ever join a, a so- Monday league ever again so. <laughs> so I assume both of you have you all seen every interview since 94 after the fact yeah oh i have no gaps at this point anything that i still had like um i've watched since the network has come around so um so it's been a few years since i had any gaps whatsoever I might have a few here and there, but I think more times than not, I mean, when, when the network loaded up, I, the first thing I went to do was watch any WCW nineties pay-per-view I never saw, but even at the, you know, back in the tape trading days or whatever, I would get these comp tapes of a bunch of WCW pay-per-views. Uh, so I, I saw pretty much everything. There's probably just a few little shows here and there, but, but I feel like going up and on the list as I'm kind of eyeballing it right now. I feel like I've seen just about every single one. So yeah, I think, I think if I've missed any, I think I might've missed, a few at the start of 95. I think I met Slamboree and maybe on, no, I think I saw Uncensored, maybe, maybe Super Brawl. But yeah, other than that, I think I've seen almost all of them. So we'll get into that now. That's the main thing we're going to be doing here, talking about the pay-per-view, which of course can also talk about storylines that were going on, you know, on Saturday night and Nitro and such. But we're going to be talking, if you, if you didn't hear our um, WWF episode we did a few weeks ago, if you did hear it, it'll be very similar to that. If you didn't hear it, basically we're each going to rate each year of WCW from 1994 through 2000. We're going to give it a, on a scale of 1 to 5. So 1 is the lowest, 
there is no zeros or negatives or anything, which I know some people are probably thinking about for a few years. But <laughs> um, and we're gonna also gonna name an MVP for the year. Um, you know, just who we thought was the most valuable to the promotion that year. I don't want to say it's like a like a business MVP or anything. Just more like who was the most valuable towards making the year what it was. However, you want to rate that or make it enjoy whether it's like enjoyable for you or just who you thought was the best that year. You know, just your favorite person from that year as far as like you know making the promotion what it was that year. And then obviously a match of the year we'll pick for each year and, and a best and worst pit review. So let's start with nineteen ninety four which is a very interesting year. And I, it, when I like started deciding, you know, when I decided to do this, you know, I thought 94 is a good start point because basically it's the, it's the start of the Hogan era, which, you know, there's a clear line in WCW pre and post Hogan era. I mean, you could have expanded it out and done all the years since it became WCW. But to me, especially the first few years of the, of quote WCW feel still feel similar enough to the NWA to make it maybe not quite its own thing. Whereas here, you know, you're starting with um, a completely different era of WCW. So you it's like to rate this year though is really hard because you almost have two 1994s, right? I mean, you have yeah. before Hogan and you have after Hogan. And I don't think it's a hot take to say they wildly diverge in quality between the pre and post Hogan eras. Um, so I guess let's start with the first half of the year then. I This half of the year is considered to be really, really good, I think, by a lot of people. Do, you, the, do both of you agree with that general consensus? Does anyone have think it's maybe a little overrated? I, don't well, know I, think, I, I think the first half of 94 is pretty great, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, like, I consider one of my favorite. Like, I mean, I, I, I try to call this year one of my favorite years because I think you know, even even when Hogan came in, there was still a few months there where it was still pretty solid. But I, I, I solidly think that that first half of 1994 is like my favorite year of WCW because there is so much of that blend. Like you said, it it feels like the NWA, but it feels like there's also kind of a change in the guard as well. There's a lot of new talents coming up. There's guys like Steven Regal having great matches. Uh, you know, Stone, Steve Austin almost had Stone Cold, not quite yet, but uh, you know, some <laughs> other guys like that. Like, yeah, no, he, he before he's about to get fired, but uh, you know, like. <laughs> Even, you know, like a Dustin Rhodes is doing some good stuff. So it just felt like there was this next crap of guys coming up. There was still kind of your holdover from the NWA. You had, you know, obviously Steamboat coming back and doing a lot of really good stuff as well. The, the amazing Steamboat Flare match, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. Like these awesome, like Nasty Boys tags, like Cactus Jacks in there doing cool stuff. Like there was just a lot of really fun stuff in that year. And it felt like a very cool blend. Uh, in, in some ways of like what WCW had been for the years prior and then what they were potentially going to be in the, in the years, you know, that followed until Hulk Hogan fell in their lap. And then it was like, everything got transformed and everything got changed, which of course made all the sense in the world business wise. But yeah, for, for quality of, of matches and quality of shows wise, didn't quite work out there. But that first half of 94, I think is, is right up there with any year that WCW ever had. I think, I, I think I'd put it as one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Um, the one thing I was surprised when I went back and saw this for the first time after after hearing so much about it is Super Brawl 4 in, in February 94 I actually don't think is that good. It's like a weirdly, I don't know, you hear like the first half of 94 is so good that my expectations are really high, but like, I don't know, the, the Flair Vader cage match just can't really follow the incredible Starcade match they had. Um, and there's just really nothing else, like there's a really boring 30 minute match with Steve Regal and Arn Anderson that just, I don't know, did not need to be 30 minutes as much as I like both guys. And just, it's not a very good show. I don't know if anyone wants to defend Super Brawl 4. 
but that to me was my big disappointment of the year. But then the two shows that everybody says are incredible, they are really incredible. I mean, Spring Stampede and Slamboree yeah. are of all time. So I guess that makes up for Super Brawl maybe being a little bit of disappointment. Um, any thoughts on, I guess, th- those three shows? The only thing I would defend with Super Brawl 4, and I agree, the Flair Vader match in particular, um, really just, it, it's not a bad match, but it just cannot compare to what they did at Starcade 93, which was a truly great match. Um, but I really like the, the, the Thunder Cage six-man tag. Uh, with Dustin mm-hmm. and uh, Brian Pillman and Sting against Orndorff, Rick Rude, and Steve Austin. I thought that was really good. Um, the undercard is wishy-washy. I'm a huge fan of Stephen Regal, and I'm a huge fan of Arn Anderson. Uh, but yeah, that that match was... Um, <laughs> thirty. Yeah, it's like a 30-minute, yeah, just I, like... I love the slow fest. They're two of my favorite like North American wrestlers ever, and yeah, that match was really bad. Like, I don't know. No, it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Spring Stampede and Slamboree, really awesome shows. I, I don't think that's, again, not a hot take at all to say those are two of the two of my favorite shows ever. Um, you know, just so much that those two tags of the Nasty Boys obviously were just like, you know, out of this world stuff. Yeah. Um, you got Flair and Steamboat. You've got a, another great Sting Invader match. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to just think of anything that might not be good from those two shows. I mean, I guess Flair and Barry Windham isn't really that great compared to their past matches, but like that's pretty much it as far as what's not good, you know, as far as like big matches. Yeah, Stampede '94 is like, I mean, like other than like the opener, I think, which is like Johnny Be Bad and Diamond Dallas Page, which is like fine, six, and it's like yeah, six, it's like minutes, six minutes, minutes or whatever, you know. What I mean, it goes, yeah. it, it's there and back. And I guess I'm sure Danny Bonaduce, who was in the dark match, probably sucked too. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, no, I, I mean, otherwise, it's like solid. I mean, every single other match in that show is is at, at some level solid. And then there's some really good ones. The Nasty Boys, obviously, you mentioned that that team, uh, that tag match, uh, bunkhouse, bu- the bunkhouse match with uh, Buck and, and and Rhodes is awesome, and then Flair mm-hmm. Steamboat uh, is great as well. So it's it it is as close to a perfect pay per view as as WCW maybe ever had. I mean, that Spring Stampede '94 is like almost without question, especially in the eras that we're talking about, almost unquestionably the the, the best, if not you know one of the best, if not the best pay per view of that entire era. Um, do you have any thoughts on Slamboree, anybody? Because it's also a show I really love. See, that was that Legends one, wasn't it? Yeah, but, the, but, but like the Legends... Oh, they were just in the reunion, right? That was 93 yeah, the that only... they actually wrestled. <laughs> that was not and, great. And, and that, like... well, well, the only Legends match on 94 is Terry Funk and Tully Blanchard, which is actually awesome. Yeah, it's an awesome match. It's only seven minutes, but that match rules. So, yeah. I mean, that, they, the Legends do not ruin the show. The show is awesome. But I don't know. The only thing that the only thing I would consider disappointing from that show, like I said, is uh, Flair and Barry Windham. But do you have any thoughts on that, Scott? Slamboree or Spring Stampede? Yes, well, I mean Spring Stampede. You pretty much said it all. It's a, it's a great, great show. I would also throw in that the Vader uh, boss match on that show was really good. Um, uh, Slamboree '94. I love that Terry Funk Tully Blanchard match. I mean, that thing is like it's. Terry Funk coming back to WCW in like a big stage and he's doing it in Philly where he's had some success with early ECW and he's like getting to be well-known there. I mean, not that he wasn't well-known already, but you know, he's like a local favorite now. Um, And he's just doing the crazy old man, Terry Funk shit. 
And Tully Blanchard, you forget, is not really that old in 94. Yeah. It's just he's basically been blackballed from major wrestling. Um, right, right, yeah, right. So it, it's just it's just a really good seven-minute fight. Um, the rest of the show is good. You know, Sting Invader in the main event is, for a Sting Invader match, not great, but it's still a Sting Invader match, so it's pretty good. Uh, the Cactus and Sullivan Nasty Boys match is awesome. Uh, Flair and Wyndham is okay. I mean, it's... It, it's certainly no Flair Wyndham 87 or anything, but you yeah. know, it's also a 13 minute match. So it was just a different time. Uh, especially it, it, Barry Wyndham's one of those guys who like when he was really on, he was really, really great. And when he wasn't, he was really mediocre. Um, yeah, for sure. and you know, uh, the Dustin bunkhouse bug bull rope match was fine. Zabisco and Regal was fine. I mean, I I, I thought Slambury was a really good show. I like that. I like that match actually. Zabisco and Regal. Yeah. All eleven and a half minutes. I thought was pretty damn good actually. But how does anybody? Remember, I don't remember Austin Johnny B bad at all. Was that good? I don't remember much about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember anything about it. So, but I do remember liking that Larry and Regal match, which you know Larry does not always have great matches, but that I remember liking a lot. But okay, here's my hot take about the my other hot take maybe about the um. The Hogan era, it it starts out um, quite poor with Bash of the Beach, but they managed to have two pretty damn good pay per views in the in the Hogan era before it really flat, flushes down the toilet of Starcade. So I, I don't know. I, I went back and watched some of the stuff pretty recently, which is why one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show. But like Fall Brawl and Halloween Havoc, they're they're really not that bad. I mean, the full bros got a, a really great war games storyline and main event. And it has nothing to do yeah. with Hogan. So it's, yeah, there was like, I don't know, like the, the fate, the, the number one contendership that really wasn't number one contendership triangle match was Vader and Sting guardian angel. Mm-hmm. That was really good. And I think that that I think has a better Vader sting match at the end than the slambery main event does. Yeah. And cause like a triangle match, people don't know in WCW was like, it was like a one-on-one match and another one-on-one match. It was not a real three-way match. So it was like you got like a Vader boss match and then you got like a Vader sting match after. And both those. Um, I mean, that was a, actually a pretty damn good show. I think I almost think people hate on it more because of the reputation of it being like this changeover and yeah. having that 30 second Jim Duck and Steve Austin title. <laughs> like, that's really bad and stupid. And, you know, you can see the beginnings of, you know, kind of a bad era. But, like, this show itself, it almost, it starts a, a trend, kind of, of, like, the like the non-Hogan shows during these, like, this, like, two-year stretch, or even longer, end up being a lot better than the Hogan shows. And it's almost like Hogan just kind of leaves them alone or something. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, this is, Fall Brawl is a pretty damn good show. Halloween Havoc's not quite as good, but I still... Yeah. I like Hogan Flair. It's a good cage match. I do, too. No, yeah. I, I like that one as well. And that's what I was going to say. of like the, the one shining light of, of Halloween Havoc, I think, and I think with the saving grace of it, is that, that main event, which is really good. And, like, it, again, I think these two pay-per-views and the big reason why they're thought of pretty negatively and, and, and the big reason why I think of them negatively, even though they have some good stuff on them, it's that, like you said, the changing of the guard, where, like, you have Duggan beating Austin real quick. You have Kevin Sullivan uh, defeating Cactus Jack, and Jack's kind of on the ropes or he's out. Of, of w- It just felt like, oh, geez, like, we're really kind of 
everything that I mentioned earlier in the year where I was like, oh, that new guard or that new unit or like that new next generation or whatever, like those guys are all marginalized in like rapid amounts of time in like a month or whatever. And slowly but surely you're seeing the Duggins coming in. You're seeing these sort of guys come in slowly, but surely it doesn't really fully feel that way, you know, until Starcade, like you said, which went full bow <laughs> on it and completely uh, tanked it. But at this point, you, you can kind of feel the changing of the tide. And I think that sort of reflects negatively on these shows, even if they aren't like that bad of shows. It just feels like this is a very different company and that, you know, what was the first half of 94 is much different. And what's now going to be the new standard and the new guard has sort of taken over a little bit. Yeah. What do you think, Scott? I fucking hate Hulk Hogan coming to WCW. Yeah, I really <laughs> I fucking hate it. It was I watched WCW because I didn't want to watch Hulk Hogan. Like I'd gotten to that point by about ninety ninety one when I was eight or nine years old. I was kind of like sick of Hulk Hogan. Like I had I'd gotten really invested in Randy Savage as a as a little kid um, during his babyface run, and then like when him and Hogan split up, I kind of just sided with Savage. And then in WCW or NWA or whatever, um, I, I was a big fan of the Horsemen. I was a big fan of Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. So I was never like a massive Hulk Hogan fan, except when I was very, very young, uh, like five or six years old. And I was, you know, WrestleMania three is one of the first memories I have of being alive, basically. Um, but I was so sick of Hulk Hogan by the time he was actually out of the WWF in 93 and I kind of thought, okay, that's it. I'm not going to have to see Hulk Hogan anymore. <laughs> and then not only does he come back, but he comes back to the other company, the one that I prefer because it doesn't have shit like Hulk Hogan and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Bruce Beefcake and the Honky Tonk fucking man. <laughs> and then he just ruins it. Like, and I'm not like, I'm not completely ridiculous. I, I, I like the Hogan flair matches of 94. I do. I, th- I think they, I think, you know, being fair, Hogan worked really hard in those matches, um, trying to get himself off on the right foot and flair was great trying to carry him. Um, but yeah, by the end of the year, it was everything that I feared. I mean, it was, it really was, it's, it's everything. And I was still young then, but it was everything that I knew was going to happen with Hulk Hogan. Once these guys started filtering in. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about Bash of the Beach, but that's not a good show. I mean, that's just really, really quite a poor one, actually, other than, um, I mean, you have a good Steve Austin Ricky Steamboat match, but they had a better yeah. match. At, they had a better match at Clash anyway, and there really isn't much of anything on the show other than they are in turn. Um, but it all culminates, though, in a Starcade yeah. that's probably one of the worst Starcades ever, one of the worst shows WCW, I mean, not probably, this is one of the worst. I was trying to say maybe the worst ever as far as like WCW shows and Starcades. It's really bad. Um, I mean, Hulk Hogan versus Brutus Beefcake is the main yeah, event. Yeah, I mean, that's all you need to know right there <laughs> in the main event. I mean, Brutus Beefcake in a main event. I mean, there that's that's it's, all you need. <laughs> and a lot like, of like Kevin Sullivan's like in or around like 15 matches in the show, too. It's just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like every time you look, it's like, oh, here's Kevin Sullivan doing some stupid shit. Like it just, oh, I hate the show so much. It's one of the worst shows of all time. Yeah. I mean, maybe the worst as far as WCW goes anyway. It's easily uh, the worst can, arcade. Oh, for easily. sure. And you can't believe that this is the same company that, that, gave you spring stampede 94 you know what i mean like if you put these met these these up to uh, uh, uh up to each other you'd be like oh my god what the hell what what happened it's like you know, it's not that long ago and it's just like what like nothing's the same everything's different Every, it's just really really bizarre it's, it's so strange 
the the best thing about the show is Vader beating Jim Duggan in a twelve minute match. It's not that good. So <laughs> yeah, it's not good. When Jim Duggan is in your best match of the night, that's probably a bad sign. <laughs> Alex Ray versus Triple H in for a fourteen minute <laughs> match when like both of them should have been working like two minute matches. Yeah. yeah, it's a very terrible show. So that all leads to how do you rate ninety four? Um, it th- this to me is like one of the hardest years to rate because it, there's really good stuff at the start. It goes downhill, but I think it goes downhill slower than some people probably do because, I, like I said, I think those two papers in the middle of the Hogan thing are actually pretty good. So I went back and forth on a three or a four because the first half of the year is so good. Um, I decide to give it the four i think you know obviously it can't be a five because the hogan era is not good and starcade is one of the worst shows of all time but i mean other than starcade the only other pay-per-view that i think is even bad is bash of the beach and you know i think the true excesses of the hogan era wouldn't really be felt until 95 until like early 96 so other than starcade again so yeah i'm going with a four that's my rating on 94. What do you guys have it as? I give it a three. Um, I, I I debated two, and I decided to go a little lower just because Starcade is that bad. Um, <laughs> like Starcade, and and just it's that 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 infiltration of Hogan's cronies, and it's just I can't deal with it once they all start coming in. And you know, Hogan is twenty five pounds lighter than he was the last time I saw him. <laughs> and he looks kind of weird to me and he's just his mustache doesn't even look right anymore because his face is so much thinner it's, it's just everything about looking at hulk hogan in 1994 makes me angry as a wrestling fan um and so i'll go with the three i mean i the first half of you is really great um there's still some good stuff down the stretch fall brawl i like a lot because i'm a huge dusty Rhodes fan so i love that whole war game storyline there um so you know i, I i'll go with the three I'm probably going to go about a four because I really do love that first half. Like I said, it's it, the first half is probably my favorite in, in WCW history. So I, I, I go four here. I, I was about to do a five, but then I, I, I once again looked at that Starcade card and said, no, there's no way I can't, <laughs> I, I can't give a perfect rating to a year that has that, that culminates in a Brutus, the barber beefcake, you know, main <laughs> event as the butcher, you know, like you just can't do that. So I, I had it as a five and I just recently switched it to a four. So four is my definitive rating there. So. Um, so best and worst pay-per-view, I have Spring Stampede as best and Starcade as worst. I do we have yeah. unanimous agreement? Yeah. I mean that's no. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I mean that I, I guess you could maybe make a case for no. <laughs> that's it. I'm trying to think yeah. of no, it that's it. I think you nailed it. I think Slamboree maybe is the only one I would consider for best. For worst, there is nothing else in consideration. No. no. <laughs> I mean Best of the Beach is, is not good either, but it's that Starcade is just like one of the worst shows of all time. Match of the year is interesting. Um, for my match of the year, I went back and forth a lot on this. I, you know, I could, I definitely could see going with Flare Steamboat from Spring Stampede. But my favorite match from '94 is actually um, Steve Austin and Ricky Steamboat from uh, the Clash of the Champions '28 in August, which is actually the last match of Steamboat's career. I don't know. I just there's something about the entire match. It, maybe it's just one of the. It's like one of the first like retro matches i went back and watched i think and i don't know i just love this entire match i love that all the cradles at the end actually leads to the pin because i've always been like a pretty big mark for uh like cradle pins and the fact that like 
for once the the nonstop cradle sequence actually gets the pin at the end, which is pretty awesome. And there's also like this great just Steamboat's comeback being set up by Austin just like slapping him and pushing at him just repeatedly. It was just such a great moment. But yeah, that's my pick for '94 Austin Steamboat from Clash '28. Scott, what do you have for best match? Uh, I'm gonna go with a dark horse pick. I'm gonna go with Vader against Dustin Rhodes at the 29th Clash of the Champions in November. Um, it's basically that I'm a big fan of both guys um, and that they work what is essentially a Vader Sting match, except it's Dustin Rhodes instead of Sting. Uh, and Dustin didn't get the chance to stand out in a match like like exactly like that one a lot of the time. Uh, so I think it's a great um, example of how good Dustin Rhodes was. Because uh, I, I think Dustin Rhodes is one of the best American wrestlers of the last 30 years. I mean, he's had some dips in his career in quality, but he's been great when given the opportunities to be actually great. Uh, and Vader was still pretty much a monster in 94. So uh, that would be my pick. I'm going to go chalk here. Unfortunately, I'm going to go flare steamboat. I say, unfortunately, yeah. but I mean, I, it, it's still a great match, but I, I try to convince myself of something else. I try to think of, okay, there might be something else. Cause that's like the, the easy pick and the pick that everyone's going to make, but I just kept going back to it saying that that's it. That's my pick for sure. So that's 94. And then we move into 95. Um, the, the start of the year, re, like the first three pay-per-views, I would say are really, really quite bad. I think, oh, shit. um, <laughs> yeah, that's putting it lightly. I mean, uncensored is is in another level of just absolute utter shit. Like that is, it's almost fun bad in a way. But then you watch it again, and you're like, no, this is just utter shit. I, I mean, it has that it one has is Hogan, so bad. Ninety five uncensored has Hogan dragging Ric Flair and drag to four corners <laughs> to win the strap match. He was in against Vader. Yeah, so, yeah. Even though he's not in the match <laughs> at he's all, retired actually. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, that retirement sure lasted long. But yeah, I mean, like, it. I think, I honestly think my theory on this is when people think of the Hogan era, like early Hogan era being bad, they're, they think they mean, like, right when he came in, but they actually mean, like, Starcade through Uncensored. Like, that yeah. to me, it's like, through Slamboree, too. We can throw Slamboree in there. That to me is, like, peak bad Hogan era WCW. But um, I don't know. Is there anything of, you, of use at all in these three shows? I mean, Slamboree is the show you were thinking of, Rich, before, like, the fucking 10,000 like legends matches to have. Like, yeah. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. I, I was, well, I think in 93, actually, they, they do that. Yeah. Cause I think it's 93 is the one where they yeah, legitimately have like the legends wrestle and it's like, Oh boy, yeah, like, maybe we don't like, actually you're maybe right. we don't need seven year old guys. I think like, I think Dick Murdoch maybe shows up on that slamber 95, but I think it's the same deal where they just have guys go in the ring and, and, and wave yeah, or whatnot. Right. But uh, right, no, I mean, it's, it's utter shit. I mean, that, that first half is utter shit. And, and it, it is, Uncensored 95 is a, a different level of shit. Like, it is an unbelievably, like, the King of the Road match is actually pretty fun, even though that's, like, a disaster from a production standpoint. You have a martial arts match with Jim Duggan. Yeah. <laughs> Jim I Duggan, will, there's a boxer wrestling match. <laughs> I, well, I, I would speak up in defense of that one. That one's kind of fun. Art Anderson selling fucking boxing punches is really funny. So. I suppose, but I forget how it ends. Isn't it just like a body slam or something like no, that? No, no, that, yeah, that I think he puts. The, isn't this the one where he puts the 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 bucket over his head and punches? Maybe it? like something stupid. Like everything that could have been possibly okay in the show is somehow made stupid. Like Randy stupid. Savage, you know, gets DQ'd, and then I forget what the fuck. And no the, DQ I, match, I think. Yeah, it was a no DQ <laughs> match, and he got DQ'd because of course. Um, 
Yeah, and then like I, I think the Nasty Boys Harlem Heat is pretty good, other than guys just like slipping and falling on mustard the entire time. But th- that one's actually all right. It's like a horrible brawl, but it's it, it's fine. And then, as you said, the 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 main event leather strap match is one of the dumbest fucking things you've ever seen in your life, where Hulk Hogan drags Ric Flair in in drag, <laughs> drags Ric Flair in drag to the four corners to win uh, a match that Ric Flair wasn't involved. It's I just will, I will speak up in defense of Uncensored '95. That show is to me funny bad. Like that, I will put that. Uh, show, I put that show I on suppose. a couple times. It, it depends what mood you're in. I think. Yeah, I guess it depends what mood. It, there's there's times where I've enjoyed it, and there's times where I've hated it. I, I don't. Yeah, it, it it might reach that fun bad level at, at, at times for sure. It's a fun show to watch drunk. So that's my defense of Uncensored '95. But yeah, I mean, Slambury '95 is bad, and to me, Super Brawl is like really bad. But I don't know anything else about these three terrible shows, Scott. No, they're all garbage. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really. They're, 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 I, I I struggle to pick which one is the worst. Um, things turn around a little bit, Grand American Bash, and this to me is another example of like the the shows where Hogan isn't around are way better than the shows where he is around like formula because you get like Ric Flair and Randy Savage, which is a kind of a cool feud and yeah, produce some good stuff, including this main event. Sting and Ming, I remember liking. I'm like they they did like almost a variation on the Sting vader like sting versus monster formula and it kind of worked i thought yeah, um, it wasn't I, bad. and then you know obviously it's also some boring stuff here but you know compared to the last few stuff last few shows i think this was an improvement um batch of the beach really not good i mean there's again i, I like this the savage flare mats that's kind of like the saving grace of this this whole period but you know, we have the blow off to Hogan Vader, which was just one of the worst feuds of all time. I think Hogan Vader, because I don't know, Hogan just like squashed this monster at every turn and just made him look like a complete fucking idiot. And if you were like me and you were a huge Vader fan, you know, watching a long hair, you were you probably were pretty pissed. Can only imagine what it was like at the time to live through it. So I don't know. Any other thoughts about the two bashes? See, I, I like Bash of the Beach only because of the setting. Like the the show itself isn't very good, but I'm a I'm a sucker, and it's one of the big reasons why I love WCW is because they would like have a show on a beach. You know what I mean? Like don't yeah, they would never do, do that. Shit. Like yeah, or like every set felt unique. Like Bash of the Beach felt like Bash of the Beach because they would have like a lifeguard stand and sand and shit, and like you know, the big pumpkin man at Halloween Havoc and, yeah. and gravestone. So I'm I'm a sucker for like a good setting for a pay per view. So no, Bash of the Beach is not a very good show, but like knowing that it's taking place on a beach. And like, there's just like people walking up, and there's like, you know, not making any money off of it or whatnot, which is a WCW uh, specialty. There is just having random people show up to shows and not getting them to pay. Um, no, I, I, I have like a, a soft spot for this paper. It's not good, but man, I love watching it because I love the idea of just having a show on a beach. It's just super cool. Savage and Flair is like a really good match, I think. Yeah, that's the one good match on the show. But yeah, I don't know, Scott. What do you think of the bashes? Uh, the Renegade really came into his own. <laughs> That's the renegade t- period. It's true. Yeah, that's his. That, that's his peak. That's um, the television champion of the world. Yeah, Great American Bash '95. He he beat Arn Anderson to win the television title, <laughs> which Arn would later call the most embarrassing moment of his career. Um, Bash at the Beach '95. He got to defend it in a real classic barn burner against Paul Orndorff. Um, I feel bad for Renegade sometimes because like. You look back and you think only about that time, but like he hung around for years and like actually tried to learn and get better. It's just when they brought him in, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. And they were like, you're the ultimate warrior now. <laughs> it was really stupid. So, um, so the fall, um, so fall brawl, not a good show. 
but uh-huh. does have one really good match, uh, Arn Anderson and Ric Flair, which, you know, I feel like that w- that must have been like an amazing thing to live through to finally see them go face to face and face off. And I thought they built it up really well with like, you know, Anderson, if you're watching the TV at the time, like basically Arn Anderson is just really sick of Ric Flair's shit and needing him, needing to rely on him to win all of his matches. And then I, they lost like a handicap match to Vader, I think. And then that was like the final uh, nail in the coffin. But yeah, I mean, that was a, that was such a cool build up and cool match. On the other hand, you also have the Hulkamaniacs of the Dungeon of Doom and the worst war, war games. Well, no, the second worst war games. Cause there's, yeah. there's one that's worse, but yeah, really awful war games and just nothing. I don't remember Johnny Bad and Brian Pillman at all. Was that, that was 30 I like minutes it. long. Okay. Yeah. So. It, it it holds up pretty well um, for a thirty minute Mark Merrill match. Yeah, it's long. It's long, and that's. It, it, I, do you guys know? Did did Johnny B. Bad open every single WCW pay per view for like five years straight? <laughs> like you cannot. Like every time I throw on a fucking like I'm just like doing something around the house and I throw on a WCW pay per view. It's Johnny B. Bad there, and sometimes he's got you know the 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 roided out you know uh, <laughs> Teddy Long with him. Sometimes like it's just like he you cannot avoid. Johnny B. Bad opening a W, and then he, he ended up when he went to, to WWF. They started opening him all the time with Mark Merrill. I remember those Mark Merrill like Triple H or Mark Merrill versus Gold Dust, like opening every single WWF pay per view in like 1996. So he's definitely the uh, de facto opener for for especially this year 95. I think he opens like every single show. Yeah, but uh, does well, does well in it though. So I should say. Yeah, but then so after Fall Brawl though, so there's one show here I do I definitely want to mention, which is Halloween Havoc, because. I, Halloween Havoc 95 is one of the weirdest shows I think ever <laughs> to go back and watch because it feels like this weird like anomaly of the period. Like, first of all, Hogan's in his weird ass black outfit, but he's not Hollywood Hulk Hogan yet. Like he was doing some gimmick where like he was sort of teasing that he was gonna go bad. He, he but, went to the dark side. But it, you know, he had but to it go to the dark side to, to win. Yeah, no, it was stupid. <laughs> but yeah, but it was but but I mean it was it's really weird though to go back and watch now. It's like you're still like almost a year away from Hollywood Hogan, but you're wearing all black. It looks really weird. Um, Sabu was on this show in like a three minute match against Mr. J. Mr. J. That's Jerry Lynn, right? Yeah. Yeah. So three minute match against Jerry Lynn. And like, it's, it's just weird, like almost crash booking with like, you know, weird, this weirdness to it, but like Hogan, like getting turned on by Jimmy Hart, which is just like, you know, the the kind of swerve that just didn't really happen at the time that I don't know the whole show feels like a little ahead of its time it feels like a little bit like you know this is where it was going and we were like because I think what's his name Uh, Terry Taylor just got like the book I think right and maybe maybe my timeline's off I think he just got became Booker like right before this and he did this weird show where like Hogan's cutting promos about the Wrestling Observer <laughs> newsletter being a rag sheet and telling you to go read the internet instead because that's where the scoops are. <laughs> it's just like it's a weird show, but yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts on Halloween Havoc? Uh, I really like the Flair Sting Anderson Pillman match. Yes, with the fucking great Flair turn. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sting's awesome in that match. That's like Sting had gotten so like basically written out of wcw when hogan came in um or at least pushed to the back burner uh and it's a chance for him to kind of be staying again for a night you know and show how good he really is um the rest of the show is just fucking weird like i rented this on vhs a lot when i was a kid 
uh, because it was so fucking weird. Like I never thought it was a good show, but I rented it at least four or five times just to be, <laughs> just to watch the goddamn thing, like the monster truck and um, Hogan and the Giant having their terrible match. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just it was just a very strange show, and in, in a weirdly watchable way. Yeah, I totally agree. It's not a good show, but it's so weird, and it's so. It just stands out from everything else in the time period. It's just yeah, crazy. I definitely give this one that fun bad. Like you were you were talking about Uncensored ninety five. Like I I definitely think this one stands out to me as like a fun bad show because it is so ridiculous and so silly. And then like you also have like Sabu and, and, and Mr. JL. You know what I mean? Or like you know Kurosawa in there too against you know Road Warrior Hawk. Which yeah, is Kurosawa. Fun are people who don't know that's that's the Nabu Nakanishi. Yes, yeah, with so. a lot more hair, a lot more hair than uh, you remember. Yeah. But yeah, it's fun, and like him and Road Warrior Hawk have like a pretty fun match, and they had like a little micro feud going on as well. So yeah, that's actually it's it, it's it's bad, but like it's enjoyable, like it's fun. I I really do enjoy this one. This is one that I remember renting from my uh, local store uh, a bunch as well for that exact reason because it was like I know this isn't good, but this is entertaining. Like you could definitely get through an entire you know an entire watch of of, of you know having ninety five and come away saying ah that was. I enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed watching it, even if it ultimately wasn't good. Then WCW debuts World War Three, a <laughs> one of the worst ideas they ever came up with. Um, this was a like a three ring was it sixty people, right? Sixty people by yeah. Royal. I, I, yeah. So like the Royal Rumble, but everybody at the start there's sixty people, and it goes a half hour, and it was no good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. They did this like they did this like what five years or something right or four and it was four, never I think, yeah. four yeah it's never any good three or four so, yeah yeah um it's not like the first one with some classic matches no it's it's bad else. i've watched it recently because obviously it's november and that's you know i was kind of like hey what wcw were in november i forget and then i watched yeah it's it's just a complete cluster like yeah. the only thing that's awesome about it is just like the names that they had to pull off like they're like ah god damn it get fidel sierra in here like you know like because you're these guys are coming out and then like you know i i consider myself i know, I know a pretty good amount about wrestling and i'm sitting there watching i'm like i have no fucking clue who that guy is so i had to like look up whoever like there's some guys that walk through there and then there's also kensuke sasaki who walks out as well which is incredible as well and it but no it's just like yeah mike winner like who the fuck is mike winner you know what i mean there's just like guys that you've just never seen or barely like, big train barts like who the hell are these guys and like you know it's just they had to pull everybody to get the rings and it's complete production wise is a disaster like they're they're switching all the time nobody knows anything like you know lee marshall's like oh there's something going on in my ring and then they cut to the wrong ring like it's just an absolute it's like horrible to watch i'm sure it was terrible to watch live as well so it does not uh does not hold up well in that uh, in that sense I do want to mention, by the way, I, t- I totally fucked up the the promo by Hogan where he like burns a copy of the Observer and says it's a rag sheet and the internet's the real scoop. That was World War Three, not Halloween Havoc. So there you go. I don't know why I thought Halloween Havoc, but there's also where he like burns the black costume. Apparently, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> so. it, it it wasn't really um, catching on at all. Yeah. So he was like, oh, "Fuck it, I'm done with this part." Um, you know, because they shaped his mustache off or whatever. <laughs> There's also a random Joshi tag on this. Like, for some yeah. reason, they're like, let's have Akira Hokoto and Bull Nakano face Cutie Suzuki and May- Mayumi Ozaki. <laughs> Ozaki's still like, kicking around with their own promotion, Oz Academy, uh, 13 years later. But yeah, they gave them nine minutes and they had an awesome match. So. God bless them, I guess. There's a weird, yeah, the, the, the last two shows in 1995 are, like, filled with Japanese talent, which is so strange because it's so, like, against what you thought, like, that 
early 95 was going to be. And it ends up actually being like the shows themselves aren't very good. And they're in like pretty minimalized. Oh, roles I, here and there, but... I disagree about Starcade, but we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah, okay. If you want, but yeah, that's <laughs> I me. Mean, I don't know. There's, there's some good on there, but there's, there's some crap in there too. I mean, they have, but we'll, we'll get to it here in a bit, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just kind of interesting. Cause yeah, yeah. It's like not at all what like the beginning of the year was. And then you have these like weird pay-per-views again. Like you said, anytime Hogan's gone, it's just like, all right, like let's load it up with like good stuff. Like they knew that the Hogan stuff just had to be bad or something like that. I don't know what it was, but that held true until like late 98 too. And like Hogan wasn't on the pay-per-views. They were usually really good. And when he was there, you know, obviously they're more yeah. more times than not other shit. So, so Starcade 95, I actually like the show a lot. Um, you know, it, it has that new Japan versus WCW theme, which doesn't always produce good matches, but does produce a couple that I think are actually really good. Um, and then and then it has that triangle thing, which is uh, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, and Sting that went like 28 minutes, which it was just such a fun little thing where like Flair, uh, basically Luger would play total baby face when he was in there against Flair. And they almost had like the greatest hits of their, of the old Luger Flair, you know, few from many years prior. But then he'd be back to like heel mode when he was in there with Sting. And I always, I don't know, like, like Luger's weird run here where he was like sort of a heel, but he was still friends with Sting, but you could tell he was using him. And that whole run before they went like, that goes into him being like tag champions with Sting, but he's also, he's still really a heel, but he'll pretend to be a baby face when Sting is looking. That all kind of got dropped when the NWO started, but like that, I don't know. That was like the coolest little period of Lex Luger's career, I think. Um, But yeah, so I really love that triangle match. And then Flair beat Savage for the world title right after, which I enjoyed. So yeah, I like the circuit a lot. Maybe I'm the only one, but I really like this show. It's okay. Um, I I like the concept of the World Cup of Wrestling a lot. So that's it makes it more fun just to watch the show, even if not every match delivers. Um, but there are, you know, three really good matches. I think. I mean, I don't I don't love the triangle match, and I don't love the shorter Flair Savage match at the end. Um, but the World Cup had uh, Liger and Benoit had a really good match. Kanemoto and uh, Alex Wright had a good match. Um, Otani and Eddie Guerrero had a great match. Awesome. So, match. so you know, yeah. I, I, I I think it was overall, you know, not a bad show at all. I mean, you know, it was, it was more fun than it was, like, legitimately great or anything. But I'll take fun any time over a lot, what a lot of 95 WCW was. It's an easy watch more than anything, and I think that's that's yeah. probably where you get it. Is like because all those matches are kind of quick, and they're 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 you know they're about ten minutes. I think is the length that most of them go or whatnot. But so and some are even like five. So it feels like a it's not a drag like some WCW shows would be at that time. So it goes all quick, and there's some different unique talent that you've never seen before, or you know talent that that isn't used to you know working in, in America or you worked you know used to working in WCW or whatnot. But overall, I don't know like uh, other than the Otani Guerrero, I think that's the only one that really stood out to me. And then Liger and Benoit, of course. Uh, those two really stand out but otherwise i don't know a lot of the other stuff isn't as good as you kind of think on paper it would be or, or when you're watching it you can still be entertained by it but ultimately it's not like great you, you know and, and i didn't like the triangle match all that much so i think that probably hurts a little bit um because if you enjoy that one then maybe it stands out a little bit more to you but uh, yeah. it's not bad yeah it's not bad <laughs> um but yeah i like i mean eddie and otani is the only one that got any time but it went almost 14 minutes so of the world cup matches but yeah, so I guess let's get into the grades and all that. Let's start with best and worst pay-per-view this time. Um, Scott, what do you think for best and worst pay-per-view? Uh, best pay-per-view, I sort of 
go back and forth on um, World War Three and Starcade. I think World War Three is actually a pretty good show, apart from World War Three. Um, so I'm going to go with that because I just, outside of that stupid ass battle royal main event, I, I think most of that show is really, really entertaining. I love the Joshi match. I love um, most of that card. To be honest, I think it's a really easy show to watch until you get to the dumb sixty man battle royal. Even that, you know. Mark Starr got a pay-per-view payday, so that's kind of that's kind of awesome. So yeah, I but it's either that or Starcade, but I'll go with World War Three. Yeah, for me, I'm probably between those the, the same two. Um, I, I do enjoy the World War Three a lot, other than yeah, of course, the, the main event, which is a complete disaster. Um, yeah, between those two, really, I think stand out. And the Fall Brawl Mini Five isn't too bad, but it's got some really big shit on it as well, which definitely drags it down. I'm probably going to, I'll probably agree with Scott and go World War, 90, uh, World War 3, but definitely Starcade 95 is a very, very close second. Yeah, I went Starcade, which I guess I gave away just now, but that's my best. But yeah, World War 3 is a good show as well. And then what do you have for worse, Scott? Oh, boy. Um, uh, I'll go with Slamboree. There were a couple of okay matches, but mostly it was a waste. Um, I debated that, and uncensored and chose to i'm choosing to go with the one people talk about a little less um in part because i don't totally totally hate the hogan vader match at uh uncensored but i do hate the hogan savage flair vader match at slamboree um it's just one of those instances where if you gave hogan an inch to be lazy and suck he took a mile um (laughs) and giving him a tag match was always giving him that inch what do you got rich uh, me, I, I think it's got to be Uncensored 95. I, and, and even though there's some like joy that can come from it, it is ultimately just like an absolutely horrible, horrible, horrible pay-per-view. Uh, close second to ha- Havoc 95 as well, which is also a really bad pay-per-view and also kind of fun. But I think I have less fun watching Uncensored 95, so I'm going to go with that as my worst. See, I'm going to go with Super Brawl. I just think I would rather pick the shows that are terrible and fun, but like Super Brawl is just terrible and like brutally boring. So... That to me, being boring is the is a worse sin than yeah. than actually being fun bad. So, I mean, Slamboree to me is close too, but like I, I really hate that Super Brawl show. So ninety six, um, that's a, obviously a very oh we didn't give the MVP the rating. Sorry, um, MVP I think it's Randy Savage. Um, I think his his feud with Flair kind of saves the year to whatever degree it's going to be saved. So that's my pick for MVP. What do you what do you guys have, Scott? Uh yeah, I'm going with Savage. Same reason. Uh it's Savage as well. Also from a business standpoint, too, you can look at it that. You know, I know we're not doing that, but he's a guy who, you know, he comes into WCW and really underrated guy moving some business as well, doing that feud with Flair that starts to kind of uh get stuff going a little bit. But yeah, he he's he's definitely the MVP. He has great matches almost the entire year. Uh definitely comes in and adds a whole different dynamic. And and because he was out there to prove that like he was on the shelf only because Vince decided he was on the shelf and, and that he was still pretty solid and, and could still go. So no, I I think Savage, Savage from all aspects of it, definitely your MVP. And rating, um, I went back and forth on a two and a one. I'm going to be nice and give it a two. I mean, it clearly doesn't deserve anything above that. I mean, it's clearly a bad year. But there's enough fun bad and enough interesting stuff that I don't quite think it's as bad as some of the years to come uh, towards the end here. I think it's just, if you're going to ask me, like, I think if you pick a 95 show at random versus, like, a 99 or 2,000 show at random, 95 show is a little bit more likely to not be total disaster. But I definitely can't argue with it. It's a really weak two. 
I can't argue with anyone who gives it a one. So Scott, what'd you give it? Yeah, same thing. I gave it a two. Um, it's mostly just that there's, you know, the, the, there are really, really low lows, but there's some fun stuff along the way. And some of it is uh, watchably bad, even if it's bad. Uh, and it's probably, it probably helps that I was 13 at the time. So I have a little bit more of a fun memory of watching a lot of this stuff than I do some of the later WCW stuff when I was a little bit older and that those four or five years, you know, really do make a difference in how you perceive a lot of your memories. So, uh, and if I, I give it to I'm going to go with a one. I think it's a, a, a pretty disastrous year. I mean, I know there's some f- stuff that's enjoyable and it's, it's kind of fun, bad, but ultimately it's bad. So I, I, I went with a one. I think it's a pretty horrid year. All things considered. Which is like, fuck your fun, bad. <laughs> uh, all right. So but man, it's, 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 it is really bad though. You know, it's like, you know, I, I think there's some joy to come from it because it, it is, like you said, it's so bad, but like, there's no question that it's bad. And like watching, I cannot even imagine watching it in real time. Like I cannot imagine, you know, Scott, someone like you, I, I was not watching it at this time as actively. I just cannot imagine like WCW being what you loved and then like turning on these shows and just being like, what is the fuck is going on with my WCW? What have they done to it? Cause this is uh yeah, this is a pretty horrid year. So like, and we know obviously that good times would come in a bit, but so I think that might help our, like, ah, whatever, it's what, I, you know, ah, but like reading the Observer, like Dave is having meltdowns at the time. Like everybody is just like, what the <laughs> fuck are these guys doing? And like, it it didn't help either that WWF was also like lost their goddamn mind this year as well. So it's <laughs> like a good year for American wrestling. So Yeah, I mean, 95 must have felt like a lot of the years feel now if you're just watching, if you're only watching American wrestling, except without the easy access to like right. Japan and Europe and Mexico and everything else, so. Yeah, it's just like, did everybody lose their mind? Like, does nobody know how to do wrestling anymore? Like, why are we, why is this existing? Like, because both companies were just absolutely just off the rails this year, even though there was some good stuff on both stuff. And and to this day, like, I still enjoy some aspects of 95 WWF, but like, by and large, it's pretty terrible. So, yeah. All right. So, 96, I mean, obviously, this is the year where things start to turn around. I, anyone have thoughts on Super Bowl 6? Because looking at these results, I'm thinking I never actually saw this show. This is like one of my little gaps. So, does anyone have any thoughts on this? Obviously, I can't give any thoughts on how good this show was since I don't think I've seen it. Uh, Flair and Savage was a standard good Flair Savage match. Mm-hmm. You had the um, Johnny B. Bad and DDP always had pretty decent matches, so they had another one of those. Um, the only thing I really remember otherwise is the stupid I respect you strap match thing with Brian Pillman and you know I respect you Booker Man and it's one of the great um, all-time lines, I think. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, th- then other than that, I don't remember a whole lot of it. Like, I don't remember the Luger Sting matches. There's two of them on the show, apparently. I do kind of remember Conan and One Man Gang because I hated Conan so much <laughs> um, that I sort of remember that. But other than that, yeah, I, I, I'm not, like, super, super fresh on it. But I do remember liking Flair, Savage, and Johnny B. Bad and DDP pretty much just fine, so... Any thoughts on this show? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen this. I've seen this show, but like I don't remember any of it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, like, as I'm kind of looking through it, I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that. Or yeah, I've seen. So I've seen the show before, but I don't remember things. So I don't think it definitely. Uh, yeah, I don't think it stands out because yeah, I don't have any. Sort of just the show. Maybe I did watch it then. Who the hell knows? You may have. Yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a, a, a the show. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's really tough. Like I've seen some of these matches, but I don't recall anything about the show. Uh, Overall, uh, one one show I can tell you I do remember is Uncensored '96. Um, <laughs> so 
they there is a very cool match with uh what's it called with Steven Regal and Fifth Finley, the Belfast Bruiser on this show that like is almost like a fucking shoot fight or something. They beat the shit out of each other. Um that's the big positive for the show. The negative is pretty much everything else. Um I don't know, was that was that Chicago Street fight any good? I can't even remember. I know it's really long. No. Okay. No. So there you go. It's like a no. half hour long. I don't remember. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I think I probably skipped it. Long. It's it's good at being long. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Doomsday Cage match. Yeah. Which, um, yeah. So it's Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage against the Alliance to end Hulkamania. Art Anderson, Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, Ming, Ric Flair, the Barbarian, the Ultimate Solution, who they originally called the Final Solution, I think. Right, and they got in trouble because they did. Yeah, and then someone said, "Hey, uh, maybe let's come up with a different name than the final that's, solution." That's <laughs> what they called the Holocaust, guys. And then uh, Z Gangster, who's of course Zeus from uh, not of all Japan fame, but of uh, <laughs> like of what the hell is that we called? No holds barred. No yeah. holds barred. Come on. <laughs> I, okay, can I say something for the record? And this is this will get me probably get me like laughed at but I, I i'll be honest with you i can't be the only one who the first time i read the name zeus in zodiac and all japan reviews in like the i guess the mid to late 2000s before i'd actually watched the shows was like why are they bringing in brutus beefcake and the the guy from the large bar <laughs> like oh different people okay but no one else wants to admit to that <laughs> uh, i'll admit that it would be better if it was those sound- Joking, no, that's that my hot take is it ultimately be no. better. <laughs> of course, yeah, no. Um, I don't know if I made that same mistake because I, may, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll have to recall. Maybe, maybe Zeus. I don't know if I ever thought the Zodiac was Zodiac, but uh, maybe I mixed up the Zeus uh, deal before. And then Zeus trying to be a very different person, obviously. Triple Crown champions here. Um, but yeah, this that Doomsday Cage match. I, not not exactly a uh, breaking news to say that was really terrible. I, it's it's really just not even funny bad like it's no. just no, it's, no just, it, it's boring and you, you can't see anything and there's just smoke everywhere and you're just like what the yeah it's it's you think it's like i always I, every time i watch it i'm like oh this will be funny and i like, get ready and then like you know 10 minutes in i'm like this isn't funny this isn't fun this just i want this to be over i want it to to end so it's uh yeah it does not reach fun bad status for me at least i don't know if anybody else uh would agree it's 25 minutes too it's like oh I don't know, Scott. Do you do you want to be the one person to say it's funny, bad? Punch. Everybody just punches. Like it's just, oh, hate it. No, I I can't um, I can't have fun with it because it's like it's two guys beating up eight guys, six of whom are legitimate members of the roster. <laughs> the other just, two are Jeep Swenson and Zeus. <laughs> I just realized, by the way, I forgot to ask for our match of the year for '95. Mine's Guerrero on Otani. Yeah, same. Oh, okay. That's easy. Uh, I'm going to go Savage Flair from Great American Bash 95. So there. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, but yeah, 96, uncensored, very, very terrible show, you know, with a really terrible main event. Um, Slamboree has a really long Lord of the Ring tournament. It's, you know, I don't know. It's a tournament. It goes forever and is a battle war. I mean, it's really, the show just is really, really not memorable to me. That's pretty much all I can say about it. It just, Kind of exist. It kind of existed. 
what, what I think is pretty interesting about 96 is like it, it's regarded as a pretty good year and like we'll talk about it in the end but I think that the the lows in the, the early parts of 90, 1996 are almost as bad as anything in 1995 like those slambery uncensored Super Brawl and and uh, you know Great American Bash is pretty good but those first three are horrible shows like really really bad shows and and particularly uncensored like almost worse than uncensored 95 so I think th- 96 is kind of a break I think it, it is worse than uncensored 95 yeah. Yeah, and like yeah. Uh, you know, 1996 gets a break because it it turns real good in like June, and then the rest of the year is pretty much on fire. But it is those first three pay per views that year, and like everything that was going on, even the nitros of those eras, are really, really, really terrible, and like way holdovers in '95, and sometimes worse, as I said, than 1995. So it gets it. I, I think, and, and we're both probably gonna we're we're all gonna probably rate it pretty highly, but it it, it deserves a little bit of scorn for those first uh, few months. And Scott, any thoughts on Slamboree or the first half in general? Uh, the first half is mixed bag. Slamboree is, it's just, I don't, the Lord of the Rings stuff sucked. Um, it's almost the look, entire show. Yeah, and the the one good thing on the show, I would say, is that Sting gets Giants' first good match out of him. Yeah. Um, but there's a Conan-Liger match on there that I remember seeing as, um, a recommended match on cage match. I think Meltzer gave it three or three and a half or something. Um, and I remember watching it like not too long ago. Cause I was going through this period just for fun. And I was like, what the fuck was he watching? Yeah, it's not like, good. like Conan is terrible. <laughs> like he had like minimal chemistry with anyone. He, I don't know. There's just something about that era watching Conan just kind of stand around and wait for other people to do stuff at him. That really fucking bothers me. The only um, the only bad match of great, the next favorite we're going to talk about Great American Bash is Conan against El Gato Patanaka. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why why Patanaka became a Mexican? I don't. No one really can tell me, but I guess it's no worse than I thought. Was going to be in a lot of different. Uh, you know, he was good. He could he could, he could basically be any nationality you want him to be at any point. So that's uh, always pretty good there. Um, but yeah, but then things pick up with, see, I, I was ready to like fight you, Rich, when you said this Great American Bash was like only okay. This is like one of my favorite shows. Oh, ever. That one's really, no, sorry. I, I, I mistakenly <laughs> added Great American Bash in there, but no, Bash is Yeah, pretty- this Great American Bash is fucking awesome. I mean, this is like the turnaround right here. I mean, this show has that crazy um, Anderson and Flair against Kevin Green and Steve McMichael tag with like one of, I, I think my favorite turn in wrestling. Like I love the McMichael turn when he like he goes to the back with you know with the with the arguing girls comes back out with her offering him the briefcase of money and like there's this moment where he like looks at the money for a long time and I just close the briefcase and just like waffles Kevin Green with it and it's just awesome I love that turn and Green's uh, really good at that too for a guy you know obviously that that you know we we'd see in the coming years like many celebrities come into WCW and be very bad. He was solid. Like he, I mean, not good, obviously, but but pretty solid. You know, much better than like you know Dennis Rodman. <laughs> you know, being awake is definitely a, 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 an improvement over <laughs> cases. But no, I think he's pretty solid, uh, all things considered. Yeah, but I mean, like this whole show, you have Steiners against Fire and Ice. Like, I has to be the best match of Ice Train's career. Um, that, I mean, that I that match is up for debate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody can come up with the. Uh, <laughs> Definitive ice best match of ice. <laughs> you know, John, I have never in once my life said, I wonder what the best ice train what's the best MI smooth match that I can think of. Yeah, I've never ever come to my brain, but uh now it did. So I'm glad uh glad we could Yeah, DDP against Bagwell's fine. Uh Malenko Mysterio was like <laughs> just like incredible. 
I mean, like, there's that's like the start of the Lucha thing in WCW, and just, you know, which kind of carries the promotion and from a lot of different ways. You know, John Tenta and Big Bubba have, like, a decent little five-minute match. Um, Benoit and Kevin Sullivan, you know, I think that Falls Count Anywhere match was pretty incredible. Sting oh, versus... Sting versus... <laughs> Dusty just huh? could not believe himself yeah. that they're fighting in the room. He just absolutely <laughs> loves it. And then a woman shows up, and he just he, he dies. Dusty Rose... Yeah, the woman in the men's bathroom! <laughs> he dies. <laughs> He dies when he sees that woman in the men's bathroom. He could not even handle it. So I love that. Uh, Sting and Steve Regal is great. It's a yeah. great 16 and a half minute match. I mean, I totally forgot how great that match was until I watched it recently. And then the giant and Lex Luger is like, I don't know. You you hit the giant and Lex Luger, and you don't expect that match to be that good, but it's pretty good. Because they don't give him minute minutes. They just say, you guys kind of stink. Here's nine minutes. Go. And then they're perfect. Like, there you go. Yeah. Don't overthink it. You don't and give then, guys oh, the nine minutes, you know? <laughs> And then, oh, by the way, it has one of the greatest things of all time with Kevin Nash powerbombing Bischoff through the stage. Yeah, that, right. you know, I mean, this is an incredible show. I don't know if anyone has any negative. Does anyone want to say Great American Bash is not good? No. no. <laughs> um, Scott, why don't you talk about Bash of the Beach since I've blabbered on enough. What do you think of Bash of the Beach? Oh, well, you know, you got your great opener, like an all-time, all-time yeah. great pay-per-view opener between Rey Mysterio Jr. and Psychosis. Uh, I... You just mentioned that Tenta and uh, Bubba had like an okay five minute match at uh, Great American Bash. I like their stupid silver dollar match here. Yeah, it's um, good. It's good. DDP and Duggan is only five minutes long, so that's nice. Uh, <laughs> the double dog collar chain match, Nasties and the Public Enemy, is I don't remember it that well, but I, I didn't hate it. I mean, I generally like both teams in a, a fun to watch sort of way. A Dean Malenko and Disco Inferno, I think, is a fucking excellent wrestling match like malenko is not the most charismatic guy really i don't think that's a particularly (laughs) hot take but he's like insulted by the presence of disco inferno in a cruiserweight title match like disco inferno's stupid ass basically insults dean malenko's profession and like everything that he stands for and everything that he's worked so hard for in the cruiserweight title and Disco hangs in there and takes like a really good beating. And I think it's easily the best match Disco ever had. It's one of my favorite Dean Malenko matches. Um, so I think that's like super underrated. I mean, uh, Hio Malenko is like one of the best wrestlers ever. I think. Yeah, that, he's great. Like 96, 97 Malenko is like just so fucking incredible. Then you got Steve McMichael and Joe Gomez, which they had to give McMichael something to do. So um there was that uh flair and conan was another bad conan match if you're asking my opinion uh kevin sullivan the giant against arn anderson chris benoit was really not any good at all um largely because kevin sullivan was involved and the giant wasn't yet good enough to make up for kevin sullivan being involved kevin sullivan could be really fun in certain situations but there are other situations like this one where he sucks um and then you've got the main event the outsiders it's Lex Luger, Randy Savage, and Sting. The Outsiders, of course, had their mystery partner, which turned out to be Hulk Hogan, turning heel, shocking the world. Um, I remember being 14 years old. And uh, look, I, again, I had long since lost interest in Hogan. And this, like, shook me up as a wrestling fan at that age. Um, this was wild. Like, just to see Hogan actually turn um, yeah. and actually be a bad guy for the first time that I ever knew about. Um, I mean, I know he had been prior to Hulkamania, but I didn't know that at that age. So yeah, uh, I was seeing like the generational hero turn heel 
almost out of nowhere. And you go back now and it makes a lot of sense. But um, at the time, it was just absolutely stunning. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is, again, one of the best turns of all time. The match is, I don't know, it's like a, the match is better than I remembered it being. Maybe yeah, it's, it's not just, bad. Maybe it's just that's that, fine. It's just like I, oh, the only thing I ever, I remember from it was the turn, but like Nash and Hall, like they just, I don't know, they, they're really cool here as like the unbeatable heels, basically. And then when Hogan runs out, you know, obviously that part is very, very legendary. But yeah, good show. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was gonna say, best of all, I think the crowds, you can tell, like the crowds had really through 95 or whatnot, even though they, they, they could lie to themselves and say, oh, well, Hogan really brought in the crowds and all this sort of stuff is like, nobody gave a shit. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. lot of those 95 shows, those early 96 shows, nobody gave a shit, which sucked because WCW crowds used to be the best. Like they would just pop for everything and the entire show, they were on fire. But this show, they really start coming back. And especially in that main event, you know, there's there's a real heat to the the, the, the outsiders in there. There's a real like, there, there's just, and, and it helps every single match on the card as well. There's like real stakes and people feel like this this show and this this company, they're starting to get things together a little bit. So I think that's something that I always love about this era of WCW is you can feel the crowd really starting to reinvest in it and saying, oh, wait, we got some stuff we actually like now. This is some some really, really cool stuff. And even though it was, um, and, and I'd say in some ways, because they were the outsiders and because they were like the, the invaders, there was an idea as well of like this WCW, the Southern crowds, and in some cases, like wanting these guys to get the hell out of their damn company. Like these are WWF guys. What are you doing? And that's, you know, when Hogan turns, like there's that initial, you know, you know, reaction. There's some people that cheer. There's some people that boo. But I think at, for the first time in the entire Hogan era, it felt like there was like, hey, you know, let's paint these WWF guys and let's paint the quote New York guys as as, as bad, and let's let kind of the the old school, the old guard or whatever, be the good guys. And of course, that would kind of reign true and and and, and work well throughout the rest of '96 until it would kind of go off the rails here in a little bit. But uh, I always find that is really awesome as the crowds are really starting to get invested in a lot of the stuff they're doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think of the two, I think Good American Best is better. I don't know if anyone would disagree with that. Oh, for sure. No, I, I would agree. Um, Hogwild is an interesting show before they made them change the name to Road Wild. Um, it, to me, it's like the start, kind of, I guess, of the of of the formula that would turn out to produce some really cool shows for them. Where like you have the NWO stuff and the main events, but then like the undercard stuff gets like, you know, it's all work rate guys. And they all get plenty of time. I mean, Malenko and Benoit get like 27 minutes on this show. And they have a really awesome, they have a really awesome match other than, you know, a pretty shitty ending. But, you know, with, I think it was a woman like running interference or something. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, you get that. You have Mysterio and Ultimate Dragon or Ultimate Dragon, as they call him at the time. Ric Flair and Eddie Guerrero had a really cool match. I mean, like, I don't know. It's like the start of, it's the start of that whole period where, like, you know, if the NW the NWO stuff obviously maybe doesn't hold up in ring. Although, I mean, you know, it's hard to overstate how cool the NWO was to, you know, to wrestling fans in general at the time and what a big deal that was for, um, for bringing in new fans. But like the undercard stuff just gets so much time on these shows and this stretches it starts here and like goes all the way through '97. So it's again like a tale of two shows where the undercard stuff is good. The main events don't really hold up or anything. It's something you want to watch now, but um, yeah. I don't know. Any, any other thoughts on Hog Wild? I would say that Benoit Malenko is a really good match in front of the exact wrong crowd. Yeah, the, the crowd is not. That's a great match to watch on mute because yeah. the crowd is not giving shit, and they did not want to see a twenty-seven minute long. Yeah, the like, uh, the the overtime periods did not thrill them when they were announced. Yeah. 
Nate, any thoughts on Hog Wild, Rich? Yeah, I it's fine because I think it's one of the weakest of the, of the year in a lot of ways. I mean, the Benoit Malenko is pretty solid, but I, I'm not a big fan of the, the Hogan Giant match. And I think a lot of the other stuff, it, it's just, I don't know, it doesn't quite work. And it, it doesn't help. You know, I mentioned prior, like some of the stuff that I loved about the, the, the show's prior is that the crowds are really hot. And this was the opposite of that, where the crowd just don't know who anybody is. And they maybe only cheer for some of the WCW guys or yell, you know, racist remarks to uh, men of, of different colors. So, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't love the show. Um, it, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it just doesn't work for me all that much. And I think it's one of the the... the one of the lone misses of what I would consider the last half of the year, which I think is a really solid um, half uh, of the year. But yeah, this one doesn't quite work for me. All right. So let's quickly, or actually maybe spending a little too much time on each show. So let's move through some of the rest of them for the rest of the year. I do want to mention really quickly before we move on though, like we haven't talked a lot about Nitro, but like, like this is to me like the peak period of Nitro when you go back and watch it as far as the NWA angle goes, where it felt like every single week it's like, you know, who's in the crowd you know who's gonna turn and join them like where you have the giant turn in this whole fall which is kind of nonsensical when you think about it but was sure shocking at the time you know you have six showing up in the crowd you have ted dibiashi you know showing up and joining um the whole thing with sting that paid off in the war games with sting ended up walking out on them because of the nwo sting which started like just such a great angle that went on it went on forever but you know it paid off in like, I don't know. Can you imagine? You know, I I don't want to do the WWE bashing, but like an eighteen month build to something in WWE now, like I just can't even picture it. Like, what would that even look like? You know, or fifteen month? I guess I guess it was like a fifteen month build for a world title match. Like they just, how would they even do that, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no way. I mean, this is it's one of the greatest stories ever told, but we'll talk about the uh, the conclusion doesn't quite work. But yeah, just the especially Bischoff of all people just having the patience to be like, no, nope, that's good. Or in like WCW of all companies to having the patience. Like they never did this prior like well enough. And they of course wouldn't do it after. So it's just amazing that they were like, nope, this is our story and we're sticking to it and we're just gonna make it work like the entire way. It's just it's shot, it's like one of the greatest stories uh, in, in processing history because they stuck with it, you know. It, it, it's insane in that they just were like Sting, yeah, just don't work for a year and a half. Whatever, who cares? You know, just come show up, you know, sit in the ring. Great gig for him, man. You know, yeah. unfortunately, he didn't get himself in shape when he had to finally, you know, get back into the ring or whatever. But, like, just the idea of it, just the risk that they took by doing it, it's just, like, you, he you would never, stuff. ever see this again, ever. And he was such a big deal. I mean, like, my – I just – I have vivid memories of a kid as, my, as a kid of just my friend had, like, Sting posters everywhere in his room and, like, had a giant poster for Starcade 97 – he was just so excited for that match, and obviously we'll get to it. But like, just one of the one of the best builds ever, I think. Yeah, one for of the sure. Best ever. Um, what do you think of the last half of the year, Scott? Anything stand out in those last few shows? To me, like they're all pretty solid. Fall Brawl, Halloween Havoc, uh, World War Three. Like there, there's good stuff. There's not. It's not like peak WCW or anything. There's you know there's still like stuff that I wouldn't consider as good. Like Hogan Savage or Halloween Havoc really isn't very good, and Hogan Piper and Starcade. But, uh, I, mean, yeah, I think Fall Brawl is a really good show uh, for the most yeah. part. Um, Starcade has a few good matches. Halloween Havoc is whatever. World War Three is pretty much whatever. Um, but I, the Fall Brawl I liked a lot. Yeah, Fall Brawl is a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so let's. I guess let's wrap up '96. I feel like we came a little more came away a little more mixed from it than I expected. So it'd be cool to hear the ratings. But let's start with best and worst pay per view. Uh, for me, I have Great American Bash as the best. It's really not even close. And Uncensored is the worst. Again, really not even close. So 
we'll see it. What do you have, Scott, for best and worst? Yep, same. Both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same with you. Picks. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't uh, can't divert from that. Yeah, Great American Bash, best and, and uncensored, far and away the worst. So, uh, match of the year, I go Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Bash of the Beach. I thought that was an incredible match. Uh, as great as that is, I go with um, Rey Mysterio Jr. against Ultimo Dragon at World War Three. Um, I just, I just really, really love that match. That's one of my favorite matches that either guy has ever done. It's gets criticized a little bit for being sort of an extended squash, but to me that makes it even better in a way like Mysterio's fighting from underneath and so hard and so long in the match. And then eventually he's just crumbled by Ultimo dragon who proves himself like a, a lethal cruiserweight, like a dominant guy in the division. Yeah. And he was Jade crown champ at the time too. So yeah, almost made sense when he came out all those belts. Yeah, I mean, that's an awesome match too. Oh, that's the, the visual of him coming out with all those belts is incredible. I just watched that the other day with one of my friends who's a, kind of a casual fan. who doesn't watch Japanese wrestling. He's like, holy shit. Like, I'm like, how many belts are like, that's still like to this day, people still just like look at those pictures. And anytime you see that picture, you're just like, oh my God, so many belts. Like, one they bring belts? that back. Like, someone's got to carry like 15 belts again. Cause it's just one of those belts was like the WDF White Heavyweight title. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's just <laughs> like, yeah. Cause like they didn't even know until they no. tried to reactivate the, the White Heavyweight title in 97. They were like, ah. Uh, that belt's in Japan and it's been on WWTV <laughs> and they got to take it back. And then that's what broke up the J crown. But yeah, yeah it's a hilarious um, story. Well, what's um, your match? My favorite you? match. Yeah. So mine's a little bit different here. Uh, Malenko and uh, Rey Mysterio from Halloween Havoc is actually one that I remember really, really. And there's, there's quite a few to choose from. 96 has some great matches up and down. Uh, my number two is probably Psychosis Ray from Bash of the Beach. That one's really, really great. But uh, Malenko and, and, and Mysterio at Halloween Havoc is just like, Malenko, like you said, Malenko in this era, especially in 96, and we'll talk about 97 here in a bit, he's just awesome right now. There's just a viciousness to his offense. He's just perfect in the ring. He's the perfect foil to these guys like Array and the Psychosis and the Dragons and, and stuff like that. So it just fits like a glove. But yeah, there's quite a few matches to choose from here. So that's the one that I chose number one and, and, and a very, very, very close number two, uh, Psychosis and Ray from Bash of the Beach, which is a really awesome match as well. The Great American Bash one, I love with Mysterio Malenko because he pins him. He just power bombs him like right on his head and then like puts his Oh, it's so over. vicious. And yeah. Legs of the ropes for the pin, and like the weird thing is, like the announcers are weirdly okay with it. Like they're not like outraged. He cheated. Just like, oh yeah, Malenko. I'm just like, he just blatantly cheated. Like why? Why weren't you guys getting upset? But well, what I love about that match too, a Great American Bash, because it feels like just a complete change into the guard too. Because like Mysterio comes out there and he's doing some stuff, and the crowd doesn't really care. And then I think he does like some tope or something like that. Oh, 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 you know, to the outside, and the crowd just loses their mind, and they're just like, "Holy shit, Rey Mysterio!" And like from that point on, it felt like he was a made man. Like they just like that match was the one that really made people say, "Holy shit, this guy's awesome!" And like even like Dusty and, and and Bobby, who are usually just like making fun or oh they're taking too many risks or all that sort of stuff that they would usually say just lose their minds as well so yeah that that is definitely one too there's no shortage of good matches uh to choose from this year um mvp i i go with ray mysterio i just think he just totally changed um wrestling for me and it was a huge part of you know how when i when i look back at this year just like you know i'm not not that i saw all his pay-per-view stuff in real time or anything but like it must have been incredible and it just it feels so incredible compared to everything else on these cards that i just i have to go with him Scott, what do you have for MVP? Yeah, same thing. Um, you know, he was only there for, I think, the last seven months of the year, but he was just such an electric force um, and had a huge hand in making the Cruiserweight division the success it became. And he offered, along with a lot of the other lower card guys, an in-house same-show alternative to the main event, you know, sort of style that was in WCW at the time. Yeah, which is always something I loved about the promotion because it's like, 
you it, it didn't feel like even back then w, the wwf felt way more you know just like the same thing up and down the card than wcw so I don't know, Rich, who do you have for MVP? Uh, my MVP, like, you know, I mentioned that Ray had a lot of really great matches. Uh, Malenko had a lot of really great matches. I think uh, Benoit is pretty awesome this entire year as well. Even though it's it's pretty tough for me to go back and watch a lot of the matches. I haven't quite gotten to that level yet where I can just, like, watch a Benoit match and just not, like, think about all the stuff that, of course, wouldn't end up happening. But he has a really good year as well. He's got, you know, False Con Anywhere stuff earlier in the year with Sullivan. And then he's mixing it up with guys as well later in the year. I think he really stands out, too. So Benoit was my pick. But there's a bunch of guys you could pick as well. Like a Malenko, a Ray, uh, you know, even an Ultimate Dragon. And I think are all really good picks uh, for for MVP here. So there's no shortage of good picks um, overall. And then, Rich, what's your rating? Because I think this is a hard year to rate. Give me a rating. I put it as a three because I really think that first half of the year is so bad. It's like super. <laughs> it's like it's horrendous those first half. So I I got to grade it on that curve in, in that sense where I think it gets really good there in the middle half uh, of the year. Maybe not as good as maybe we regard it. You know, going back and looking at it. So I, I I give it a three mostly because of that first half of the year. And I think it, it, if you know you lop that first half off, it's probably like a four because I, I think that we we'd get better years coming up. But uh, yeah, I think a three is about where I have it. And but a three leaning towards a four. So a, a, a three plus if you want say scott what'd you give it i'll be nice and say a four um a lot of the nitros are really enjoyable to watch they had a really great run uh the second half of the year starting in june um is very good i think for the most part first half of the year is pretty bad but that's the continuation of 95 essentially so um you know once they catch fire they really really catch fire so i'm gonna lean and go ahead and give it that four yeah i go back and forth too and i'm gonna go four um I think the second half of the year really, I, I, especially when we were talking about the, the pay-per-views, I'm like, well, a couple of these shows aren't as good as, you know, you, you'd think for what's really a really good half of the year. But like you just said, the Nitros in, in the second half of 96 are just so good. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to go Great back TV. and watch and watch a period of Nitro, like, you should watch, like, the second half of 96 because, you know, the end of the original, I, I think especially for people who came in later, who just, like, saw the NWO was, like, this cliche thing that it would become by like 98, like the, it was just so like revolutionary and it actually felt like completely different from anything else going on in wrestling at the time. And you know, I, I don't know, like it, it really, it caught on for a reason. It's the best way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and it became tropey eventually when people would like join the NWO and it was like, oh, Vincent, oh, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but at this time it was like, oh my God, it's like six showed up. And then when like Bischoff joins, it's like, holy shit. And like, you know, the, the announcers do a great job too of talking about the dread of like, oh my God, what are we going to do? You know, WCW's really like, it just felt, un- it, it, it felt, and like, yeah, it's, it's obvious like now it became, as you said, like super tropey and super eye rolly, the whole NWO thing. But at that time it was definitely not that. It was like every week week you had to watch to see what was going to happen next who they were going to beat up what was going to happen if somebody would join you know the 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 sting story like there was just so much stuff the tv is is phenomenal in 1996 that's what puts it over the top to a four for me because that first half of the year really is awful but like everything from where hall and nash show up like you know even before the official nwo all that stuff is really really good so that that's what saves 96 um all right 97 and this is this is a really really good year. I mean, I I think almost pr- what you get in '97 basically is like you get a lot of 20 minute awesome matches. You know, they they had the U.S. title as like another um, as a second like you know I guess you'd say work rate title in the first half of the year with Dean and Eddie, and you know before it goes to like in Benoit before Jarek gets his claws on it in the second half of the year. You know, the cruiserweights were awesome all year long. Um, so if you just want to see like really good matches, you'll see 
plenty of really good matches on on the pay-per-views and on Nitro. Um, and again, the NWO stuff is still good in 97. It's not hitting that like terrible cliche yet. Um, you know, the, the start of the year that, that the Savage thing is real is like cooler than you probably remember it because like basically what happened with Savage is like he almost shoot left the company at the end of 96. And you know, like he almost went back to the WWF. It seems like if you if you read the the newsletters of the time, so he just disappears at the end of '96 after that Halloween Havoc match, and then he shows up like hanging out with Sting in the rafters. So you think like he's going to be Sting's new partner is like this new like you know weird like not WCW but not NWO like faction almost, and then he just turns on and costs Piper the title. I think at, at Super Brawl, and it's I don't know, it's such a cool moment. And, like, him joining the NWO just felt like, you know, I don't know, felt like such a good fit. And, like, he totally changed. Like, 97 Savage is pretty awesome. It's, like, the last time I think he's really awesome in his career, probably. And that whole DDP feud is, like, so fucking cool and results in some really, really awesome matches. So, yeah, 97 is good for the. And then, obviously, you have the Wolfpack, you know, the original Wolfpack with Nash and Hall and, uh, and, and Six, and they do some cool stuff, too. You know, six kind of like carries a lot of these matches for the NWO teams, and yeah, I mean, there's just some really cool stuff here. And then obviously the the matches are really good. I mean, it's a you know the, with the cruise rates and stuff. So '97 is a really good year. I don't know. Anyone have any like critiques of '97, or do you mostly agree that it's been it was a good year? I guess Scott. Um, you know, I'm a little more mixed on it. Um, I think by the end of the year. The NWO is starting to, you know, slow down just a little bit. Um, I have big problems with Starcade '97. Yes, um, that I was going to say that for the. I let, let's say everything up to Halloween Havoc. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything up to then is pretty solid. I mean, it's still it's still a good year, and the TV is not as good as in '96, but it's still pretty good. Um, the War Games in '97 was pretty good. Yeah. Um, most of, you know, you had uh, again. It was a lot of. Like you said, the 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 lower card guys getting time, having quality matches, and then the main event guys being the main event guys. I mean, ninety seven. It's like a reversal to me, where I think the pay per views are better in ninety seven, almost universally than ninety six. But the TV in that second half of ninety six is a lot better than the TV in ninety seven. I think. Uh, I don't know, Rich. What do you think? Uh, so I, I really like ninety seven a lot. I mean, I, I think it's. Probably my favorite year uh, of, of WCW, the f- my favorite full year of WCW, 1994, as I mentioned, the first half I really enjoyed. But yeah, stuff gets really, I mean, there's a lot of really cool stuff to sink your teeth into in, in 97. The Nitros, as you said, not quite as good. And towards the end of the year, of course, by by World War III and Starcade and, and and even Halloween Havoc to an extent, you start kind of seeing the cracks in the foundation. And and Sold Out kind of sucks, but I think everything in between that, I mean, Sold Out not kind of sucks, really sucks. But everything, well, sold at, out, like... Sold Out's really, no. like, it's interesting no. to watch, though. No, it's not. Like, there's, no, there's no other show like it. I mean, that's a that's a, I've watched that show a bunch of times. That show is uh, so fucking bizarre that it's it. I I don't know. I recommend people watch that show. It's not good. It's not good, but it's so fucking weird. It is. Like it is definitely else. weird. It is it's definitely like nothing that. else yeah. they've done before or since that I think it's worthwhile. Right, and there's a reason why they never went back to the well <laughs> with any of it. Uh, yeah, in, including the Miss NWO contest, which I don't believe they uh, they ever did again. But uh, <laughs> yeah, or at least did it in that style that they did it. So no, I mean, like maybe there's some humor that you can get it in, in, in sold out. But I think from Super Brawl until basically Fall Brawl, 
really good stuff in, in, in terms of WCW. The pay-per-views maybe don't peak as, as high as they did sometimes in 96, but I think top to bottom, you get some good stuff and, and the storylines are still pretty solid and, and everything's still pretty airtight there. So I, I, I really do like 97. I think the uncensored show is pretty good. Uh, Stampede's pretty good. Uh, the bash is, is, is all right. Like, again, none of these are, 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 you know, spectacular shows, but you have a streak of like, you know, six or seven months where every single pay-per-view is pretty solid. And there's a lot of good stuff going on there in terms of the work being done on the undercard with, with, with still Mysterio, uh, Guerrero starting to kind of emerge as, as more of an undercard uh, threat. Malenko do, still doing great stuff. And like you said, six even short of emerging uh, as being the workhorse of the NWO. So I think there was, there's a lot of really good stuff to like from, from almost every uh, pay-per-view in 97. Yeah, I think there's a run. I think the run to me is Super Brawl is a very good show. Um, you know, with a, like I said, the Savage turn is great. And there's a really awesome, um, well, not awesome, but a really a quite good six and D Malenko match, a, a good Eddie and Jericho match. Uh, uncensored is like the best uncensored ever, I think. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. Because there's that show is usually terrible, but that three way elimination match with uh, the NWO and Team Piper and WCW is actually pretty damn good for a main event in this era. Um, you have the Eddie Malenko match, which is fucking awesome. The US title match they had, um, and just you know, this is nothing that an Ultimate Dragon Psychosis is pretty good. So there's nothing terrible on that show compared to like what you usually get uncensored. Spring Stampede is like really good. That's another really good show. And Slamboree is very good. And Great American Bash is very good. So like, And then, again, Hogan's not around for a lot of these either, which helps a lot. And, you know, again, the stuff for Hogan's out there is better than the stuff when he is. Um, Bash of the Beach, eh. I don't know. Do you want to defend Bash of the Beach, Scott, since you ordered it? But I don't like that show that much. Um, I like some of the undercard. Um, I like the first couple matches. I like the Benoit Sullivan retirement match well enough. The the Lucha Six Man is really good. Yeah, yeah that's true. And the rest of it is shit. Yeah. I mean, I liked <laughs> I liked um, Kurt Henning showing up as DDP's mystery partner. I mean, that was cool, but the match wasn't any good. So yeah. And then Buddy Rodman was you know there. He was terrible. Oh, stop. no, he was pretty bad. But uh, I was like, you know, obviously I, I grew up in Chicago. So this is like a huge thing. This Bash of the Beach. I remember it was, yeah. like, it was, it was everywhere. It was like Rodman's going to wrestle. And it's like, oh, my God, this Rodman's going to wrestle. And like, you know, so I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, So, no, I was I was all in on that match. And I still I remember watching on Scramble Vision being like, this is incredible. Like, you know, not obviously seeing what Rodman was doing. Just know like because it's actually a great match. If you don't actually watch it, if you just listen to it, you think it's incredible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, when you uh, when you actually watch it, it does not quite hold up as well as it does when you're listening to to it but uh no i think i think the undercard and like most of these pay-per-views around this time the undercard of that bash of the beach is awesome like the jericho dragon match is really good um you get like nwo japan showing up which is always kind of fun when when shono and mudo are there uh as as scott said the luchas uh six man's pretty great uh and then the benoit sullivan i, I liked as well so i the undercards of 97 really prop it up more so than they would even do in in, in prior years or it, I, I should say you know like 98 is where you again you see you know the, the the upper card just completely tanks and at this point they hadn't completely tanked they were starting to see it a little bit, but the lower card, the, the undercard was still kind of carrying the, the, the shows by and large. Um, Road Wild, I don't know. It was okay. Um, the the Luger title change at Nitro was awesome. They just fucking put it right back on Hogan six days later. I mean, I get why they had to put it back on him because of the Starcade thing, but yeah, it was uh, not a great main event there. Um, Fall Brawl, I mean, that... <laughs> that NWO parody of the Horseman, in 
at the time, I totally get why Arn Anderson was mad. He, he definitely had every right to be, and they probably didn't, you know, they probably went too far with it. And they should have, they shouldn't next to beat down all that. But that parody segment is fucking hilarious. <laughs> like, if you go back and watch it now, it is really, really funny. So I have to give them credit for that. But I don't know. It doesn't sound like anyone agrees with me. So. Uh, it's all right. Yeah, it, it's it's funny in a sense because it's like the first time you and and like WWF obviously stole that and then just did it to death with like the you know the nation and DX and they uh-huh. you know still do it to this day all the time. But no, it is it is definitely unique. But no, I get why Aaron Anderson was really pissed because it felt like he didn't quite know what they were gonna say and then it was just like really like that's that seems a little cheap. Like you know you know this all this stuff kind of seems a little much. But it is it is undeniably pretty funny at this point because then it real was still like again like it's hard to go back and in, in that frame of mind and 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 realize how much of a novelty and how interesting and and fun and entertaining they were because it would be so such a drag we're gonna talk about these next few years we're like oh my god we're like the last thing you ever wanted to see was the nwo or kevin nash making comedy or whatnot but this time it was still unique and still different or whatnot so no i I, i'm with you on that i do enjoy it um but at least her war games i really liked i don't know sky i think you said the same thing yeah i like the war games um i like the henning turn it was a really brutal turn yeah because it's yeah that's exactly why it's just it's a vicious vicious turn um Thought the match itself was good, you know. The Jarrett and Malenko had a good match. Uh, yeah. Guerrero and Jericho had a good match. Alex Wright and Ultimo Dragon had a good match. I mean, all this undercard stuff is good. I mean, you really can't go wrong with undercard in '97. Yeah. Um, Halloween Havoc. Um, I think someone said earlier you can st- you can start to see it turn here, but it still has you know another great Savage DDP match which they did all year long. Um, it still has. You, you know, I remember liking the Eugene Nagata Ultimo Dragon match a lot. Um, no, that match is awesome. I was going to mention when you're talking about best matches, like yeah. that's a sleeper right there. That that yeah. the first like what five or six matches on the show, basically until Jacqueline and, and Disco Inferno. Yeah. Oh, I guess Alex Wright and Stephen Quinn is probably not very good. I don't remember that one. The first three matches, I should say. Okay, let me let me slice it off there. I mean, that's are... one of the best matches. Uh, Mysterio and Eddie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's we'll talk about it in a bit. That's my favorite match of the entire year. But then the God of Dragon, do not sleep on that match. It's awesome. like they come out and they're kind of like, you know, you're thinking, oh, yeah, it's like young lion Nagata and it's dragon or whatnot. And then they just start fucking slapping each other. It's just like a brutal brawl. And then Jericho and Gato obviously uh, is brutal as well. There's some botches in there that kind of make it, but it's still kind of fun and interesting. And, 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 you know, obviously knowing Gato and, and seeing what he looks like in this match is always pretty fun too. And then it's followed up. Those two matches that are both entertaining, followed up by like arguably. I, I would I would honestly maybe call this one my favorite WCW match of all time. I mean, this one is just, you know, and, and, and in 97, I think it stands above everybody else. But, yeah, you get those first three matches, and it just, yeah, from then on. And, and even the, the later matches in the show aren't bad. Like uh, Savage and, and, and DDP, they have their, like, sudden death match or whatever. Uh, it's pretty good. The main event's pretty trash on that show. But, uh, you know, I really, really enjoy those first three matches and then uh, the uh, the Savage page. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff in this uh, Halloween Havoc. So The main event came up because people were – it wasn't you, Scott, that like tweeted something about how like Undertaker and Hunter, like their combined age was higher than Piper and Hogan here. No, I was talking about the uh there's a tag match in ninety eight or oh, okay. whenever. Uh ninety eight, yeah, with Brett and uh Hogan against Savage and um Piper. Yeah, and the combined yeah. age was higher here. Than, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. much higher. Yeah. But which is crazy because everybody thought they were so old at the time. I, remember, yeah. I do remember that. Um but yeah, then World War Three. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not great. Um, it's pretty think. bad, really. Yeah, I mean, this is the one thing that's cool from the start that starts here is like the whole Raven and the whole flock thing, yeah. which I, I liked a lot as a kid. And like, 
that always felt like it got way more over than like it ever got pushed. But that was pretty much Raven's entire WCW run where it felt like he was really over and never really got the push that that level of overness deserved. I love that. I love the flock. I'll, yeah. I'll stand for the flock all day. I, I, mean, I, I love awesome. that angle. Yeah, yeah, they were great. So, like anyway, and I, I know like Eric Bischoff on his podcast now that he does with uh, Conrad, he talks about how much he hated the flock and hated Raven and whatnot. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> like it's like really good stuff. Like I remember like one of my first vivid memories of like watching WCW and you know really getting back into there is you know Raven doing the drop to hold the Scotty Riggs and like blowing his eye out and all that sort of stuff. But it was really cool. I mean, they were unique. They were different. They were like you know front row. There was the idea like JJ Dillon's just like you know I'm trying to give this guy a contract because I think he's talented, but he's just like dumb. And it's just like this stuff that like this kind of work not. I don't want to say work shoot stuff, but this kind of reality based storytelling that WCW was so good at in this time where like you, it was because obviously like later years, they wouldn't even give a shit about telling like why Ravens, you know, gets to do Ravens rules and gets to do all this stuff. They wouldn't apply any logic to it. They would just do it and, and say, who the hell cares? But at this point they were trying to apply the logic that JJ Dillon was like, no, he's, he's a great wrestler. I know he's a good kid. I'm just trying to get to him. And he would bring his little gang of buddies over here. Like, but the idea that they still had to justify why this guy was sitting front row, why this guy was doing what he does, why there was Ravens rule stuff. Like it was all unique and different. It just added a different element. I think that's, what's so awesome about 97 WCWs. You have obviously your cruiserweights doing great stuff. You have Raven doing his own thing. DDP sort of emerging Randy Savage working as a kind of the, the mid card, upper mid card, NWO guy liaison that's working, you know, to to get DDP to that next level. You got Hogan still on his and his thing. You said the Wolfpack sort of emerging. Like there was just so much different stuff that you watch these shows and it felt so unique and so different. And everybody had their own little stories and everything was going on. I mean, they were firing on all cylinders at this point. Still, um, yeah, I mean, like the, the the other thing about the Raven thing, what I always thought, you know, kind of why it worked is it almost felt like WWE at the time would be like desperate for talent because they were in this war with the NWO. So I don't know if that was my head cannon more than anything, but that always that that's kind of how it felt to me at the time. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. So it may, and then like later on in '98, they'd be like begging Sting to stay, <laughs> like, <laughs> right. which they, they just felt too pathetic at that point. But but yeah, so I liked all that Raven stuff. So, so Eric Bischoff said he hated it. I didn't even know that. That's, yeah, he just is always like, oh, it was stupid. And he would just like, because he hated his promos, was like, oh, he's just talking nonsense. And I was like, I love those promos. Yeah, <laughs> like, so, I'm, I'm unique in that way. So, like, I don't know. I love the stink character. Or the like, stink it's not like it wasn't well. over. It was really over. No, it was, it was yeah, fucking always crazy. Well, yeah. it's it's Eric Bischoff. So, let's be honest. Scott, do you want to join the Raven Lovin? No, not really. Oh, <laughs> you monster. I'm not How a massive you. Raven fan. I did like him um, in this period. Yeah, this uh, is, this it, is my was, favorite. It was the many, many, many years of decline that sort of yeah no that that's powered fair. me down the raven. <laughs> that's yeah, true. yeah, that, that's certainly fair. I would definitely agree that he he was nowhere near as good in WWE in his later run in WWF E. So yeah, and um, then DNA and then and everywhere yeah. else. So um, Starcade '97. <laughs> um, this should have been like this should have been the easiest show in the world. This should have been. You know, here's the big show where WCW wins all their matches and the NWO gets, you know, loses and maybe disbands or reorganized or something and they roll off in the sunset. Instead, what we got was Sting getting pinned by Hollywood Hogan, one, two, three, with a quote unquote fast count that mm. really ruined this entire. I mean, he was so, he was so over. Like, this is the, he should have beat Hollywood Hogan like five minutes. That should have been the blow off. He ran yep. all this time. It should have been Sting beats the crap out of him. 
the stinger splash is one, two, three. Instead, it was yeah. Even even if he won, I think one of the things that I always say about that is like, yeah, the fast count sucked and the finish kind of sucked. But like, even if he won, you could tell about halfway through that match, everybody was just like, uh. <laughs> like, oh, this is not like it should have been. He comes in and like you said, five minutes stinger splash, stinger splash, scorpion death drop, done. You know what I mean? Or or even do you know the death lock and make him tap or whatever. But like the match is just going on and on and on. And as you're seeing Stink sell, you're like, no, what is he selling for? Like, why are we doing this? Like, yeah, it was like it, it only went, I think, what, 13 or 14 minutes or whatever, but it was like know. 10 minutes in, you already were like, oh no, this is this is not good. <laughs> like, this is not how it's supposed to be at all. And then yeah, of course the finish is just the cherry on top of just like oh, and they totally like, uh-oh. And the start of totally fucking up Bret Hart, which should have been again the easiest slam dunk in wrestling history. Just awesome. yeah, this company. Can you imagine? Like they are, they're gifted Bret Hart. <laughs> you know, at this time they're already on fire. They're you know about to have their biggest match of all time. They're about to get the biggest buy rate of you know that they would ever get. Like it felt like they were so far ahead of the game, and then within like two months they were just like you could already tell that. The, I mean, shit. By the end of this night, you could already be like, oh, hmm, I don't know. Maybe all, this isn't going to work out. Like all you had to do was have Sting win in two minutes. Bret Hart comes at the end of the show and challenges Sting. Like yeah, or not have Bret Hart have such shitty music. I mean, honestly, if he just came out with not shitty music, I think it would have helped. But it's just like, but how hard is that? God. How hard yeah, is that? Pretty hard. Pretty hard, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard. I don't know, Scott. Any thoughts on Starcade? Uh, I got a lot of problems with this show. Um, <laughs> the show we're doing right now, or this show? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Starcade program. Um, I had on my wall as a kid in the months leading up to this match, I had a Starcade '97 pull-out pinup poster from PWI. I think my friend had the exact same poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That poster was awesome. I had that on my wall. Like I was looking forward to this match. This was as much as I'd ever looked forward to any wrestling show ever. I was going to see Kevin Nash and the Giants. Someone was going to get powerbombed or choke slammed or <laughs> oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, I forgot that was supposed to happen here. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't happen. Uh, top to bottom, this show is shit. Like, even the Guerrero-Malenko match really isn't very good for a Guerrero-Malenko match. Yeah. Uh, the Saturn-Benoit match really isn't very good. Um, DDP and Henny, really not very good. Zabisco and Bischoff go 11 and a half minutes for some fucking reason. Um, and then Sting and Hogan is just a complete travesty. It's a, it's an absolute abomination. It's a mess. Yeah. So, I mean, is. This, is, <laughs> yeah. this is a really terrible way to end a really good year. So, yeah. All right. Let's get into best and worst pay-per-views. Scott, I think I can guess your worst, but why don't you tell me? Yeah. Worst pay-per-view Starcade. Um, it's pro- it might not really be the worst pay-per-view of the year. Um, sold out might be worse technically, and I don't care because Starcade personally is an all-time least favorite show and let down for me. Um, my worst as well. <laughs> I mean, can't disagree with any of that. I don't know, Rich. What do you think for worst? Uh, definitely Starcade '97. And and I came out of the show and I was gonna. I, I also put down like worst matches of the years too, just to kind of get myself prepared and just in case I want to talk about them. But I put my worst match of the year as Hogan and Sting. And like, no, there are probably and I'm. I'm certain there are worse matches throughout the year, but nothing felt like such a letdown. Even today when you watch it, you just feel like the air letting out of the balloon, and you're just like, oh, no. It's just as, as Scott put it perfectly, it's an abomination of a match. It's completely the wrong way to book a match, the wrong way to, to have the match be styled. Like, just everything is wrong about it. Sting coming through the entrance way, like, what the fuck? Like, that alone, you're like, what do you know? No, he doesn't come down the ramp. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's just like they. it felt like they were intentionally trying to make this as shitty as humanly possible. So, no, it, 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 there are worse matches this year, and there's maybe a worse show, 
like Scott said, but there's not any that feel worse than this show. So I, this is definitely my least favorite show, and 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 I'll make it the worst show uh, of that entire year. So uh, best pay per view, I'm gonna go uncensored. Just uh, I don't know if it's out of sympathy for how awful the show every other year of that show is, <laughs> but like I don't know, I really like that three team elimination match. I really really like the Malenko Guerrero match, Ultimate Dragon Psychosis. Um, I even kind of like Harlem Heat and Public Enemy. So I don't know. I that's my pick for best show. It, there's a lot of picks that you could you go with, but I that's that's what I'm going with is uncensored. What do you what do you think, Scott? Uh, best show. I'm going to go with Super Brawl Seven on essentially um, volume of good wrestling on the show. Um, the undercard's great. You know, the first three or four matches are really good. There's a good Eddie Jericho match. Uh, Benoit and Sullivan have another pretty good match. It's I think like eight minutes long. It's pretty short, so it's just sort of a, a thing that's on the show um, to help it stand out. And it, it, I'll tell you, there's a, a good Outsiders against Luger and Giant match on there. Uh, the mm. Hogan Piper main event sucks, but you do get the Savage turn, so that's pretty good. And it's only eleven minutes, so yeah. <laughs> something. What do you think, Rich, for best show? Uh, best pay per view for me. I'm I'm between two. Like I I think Super Brawl is actually an underrated show. It's pretty good. There's actually like a good Prince IK match. I know it's shocking, but it's Rey Mysterio <laughs> in '97, which is is tough. But I think my pick is, and I mentioned a little bit earlier, Halloween Havoc '97, which you know those first three matches are incredible, including you know arguably the best match in, in WCW history. Uh, and some good stuff throughout the entire show as well. Even there are there, there are some bad you know in, in that show as well. But I think ultimately that that would be my favorite of the year. But I think Super Brawl is one that uh, you definitely keep an eye on as well because I think it's it, it's an underrated card. Not a lot of great stuff on it, but almost all of it is good. I really like Slamboree too and Great American Bash. So like all pretty much all that and Shrink Stampede. Like there's a lot of good pay-per-views this year. So yeah. um okay. Uh match of the year. I think Rich, you've made it very clear that you're uh, yeah, I think not a huge <laughs> huge surprise. It is of course Ultimo Dragon, uh Eugene Gata. No, I'm joking. Yeah, it's of course Eddie and, and, and Ray. So that's my runner up. But my match of the year is Eddie and Malenko from Uncensored. I love that match. And I went back and watched both of these before the before the uh, we did this show just to see if, if you know which one I would go with, and I just I love that Eddie that Malenko and Guerrero match. So you know maybe I should take more points off for the end coming with six hitting Eddie with a camera, but I don't know it, it fits the era or something. It like it doesn't feel like a a really shitty fuck finish. It feels like Malenko. I don't know. It feels like the heat is in the right place where Malenko is like you know it's like Dean you're a, you're supposed to be WCW and you're taking advantage of this. And W.O. Ruffian. It's like you actually get mad at Dean, which is, you know, you don't just groan like you do with these WWE finishes nowadays. So, I don't know. I love that match. It's one of my favorite matches. So, uh, what's your pick, Scott? Uh, Guerrero Mysterio. I mean, okay. it's, there's, plenty of, there's plenty of great matches really right that pick. I could <laughs> consider, but I, I, I think that uh, like Rich said, is arguably the best match in the history of what was officially WCW. Um, so, yeah, that's my pick. Okay. It's a really, really awesome match, but I had to go with the hot take, apparently. Rich, who's your MVP? Uh, MVP that year? Uh, it, it, it's tricky because there's a few different ones I think you can pick, but I'm going to go uh, similar to what the PWI did it this year. I'm going Dean Malenko as my MVP this year. He was the he was the 500 winner at this point this year, right? If I remember correctly, that was 97. Yep. 
that he shocked the world by being the PWI one <laughs> number one, which God, if Twitter was around at that point, I can only imagine the hot takes about that. But uh, no, I remember even then, like even the message boards and, and, and websites that was like, oh my God, team, like, what are these assholes doing? But no, I think he was great this year. Just every undercard of every single one of these pay-per-views and Nitros and whatnot, just doing great work. I mean, Malenko was on fire this year and, and, and working with the best guys as well. I mentioned 96 where it was awesome too, but you get guys like Jericho emerging and Malenko and Jericho having some good matches, a little bit more of the Lucha influence coming in. Mysterio, Guerrero emerging, Guerrero, you know, a Dragon being there. I think, yeah, Malenko was just able to work with so many of those different guys and get the best out of them almost every single time. Hey, we got the same pick, so that makes that easy. I'm also going the Malenko. Scott, who's your pick? I'm going to go with Diamond Dallas Page. It's um, a good pick, too. He's my number two. Yeah, he was hot in 97. The Diamond Cutter had gotten over huge. Uh, he just savage elevated him to a main event level. He was just a workhorse all year long, and he was a reliable guy on uh, the WCW side of the NWO war. And he stepped it up big with sting out uh, honorable mention, I think to Luger for sort of a similar role. Um, and then you've got guys like Eddie and Dean who obviously had incredible years too. Um, so the rating rich, what do you have for the rating for 97? Um, my rating for 97, sorry, my dogs are probably going to bark here in a sec, so let me try to get this out quick. I'm a five. Uh, I think it's an incredible year. I mean, obviously, it, it, it's bookended by a really disastrous pay-per-view in Starcade, <laughs> which should drop it down a little bit more, but I just can't because it was just on fire, and everything in the buildup to Starcade was, like, perfect. I mean, and it, it culminated in one of the best buy rates of all time, most anticipated match of all time. But ultimately, it's a really, really great year with a lot of high-end stuff as well. So I'm, I'm at a five for, for the grade. I mean, I'm also at a five, and I just... You know, I thought about knocking it down, like you said, for Star K, but I just, I mean, I, this to me is like just, it's my childhood. It's the peak of, you know, when I, and it's my childhood and it holds up when I go back and watch it because it's just like these undercard matches are so good. The the build for Hogan Sting is really good. Um, the NWO doesn't feel like they've worn out their welcome yet. It's just, it's just an incredible year. So I go with a five. Scott, what do you have? I'm going with a four and. It's because it was also my childhood. I was also very into it. So much of it was great. But what knocks it from a five to a four for me is Starcade. Um, it was the peak of WCW in terms of buy rate and attention and all that. And in retrospect, it was the obvious beginning of their pretty incredible downfall. Yeah, very fair. I can definitely see doing that. So 1998, <laughs> it starts out pretty okay, which I think is is hard to remember when the depths it would reads later, but sold out 98 is a pretty damn good show. I think um, with, you know, I have that Bret Hart, Ric Flair match, which is awesome. And one of the few things they did right with Bret Hart, the entire build of that would just Bret Hart says, I'm the best there is was ever will be. Ric Flair says I'm the man and figure it out from there. Yeah, um, another Hoganless show too, which also yeah. you know, Ken, it's Luger, like you know once he's he's gone, it's you know some good stuff happens. So, so. I mean, Luger, and a great buy rate as well, if I remember correctly too. Yeah, for a Hoganless show for sure. Luger Savage is okay, but like um, Kevin Nash is a giant. It's just it's not a good match, but it feels like such a big deal after, especially after um, you know Starcade the, the the miss, and obviously the power bomb is one of the more memorable moments. But yeah, that's a pretty decent show, and then Supergirl is a good show too. Um, you know, you get the two TV title matches with Booker and Rick Martel and Booker and Saturn. Um, you know, you have a Jericho versus Hoovy, um, DDP versus Benoit. I should have mentioned Benoit Raven too from Sold Out, which is incredible. I mean, like all this, yeah. all the Raven, Benoit, DDP stuff, and he like carries these first few months. Um, you know, the Sting Hogan match kind of sucks, but 
you know, the Scott Steiner turn is great. You know, one of the, one, the probably the last great NWO turn, I think. Right? I can't think of any others that you'd even put at that level. But yeah, um, that sounds about right. But yeah, I mean, like, there's some good stuff in the early part of the year, and then it just like fucking falls off a cliff. <laughs> after, after like, uh, where does it really fall? Spring Stampede, Spring Stampede is still a pretty decent show. And then, like, Slamboree, I think, is, like, the start of it just, like, falling off a cliff. And speaking of not good NWO turns, Scott Hall turning on Kevin Nash, one of the dumber turns of all time. And here you, and this is also, also, of course, the NWO split, which is, you know, right up there at this year's Bullet Club split for really terrible angles that just go on forever. I mean, that, to me, is one of the things that make Nitro, I don't know, like, really a slog to watch back in this period because, like, this NWO thing takes forever to play out. Um, like it really starts in February and you don't really get the, the official Wolfpack until like May. Like it just takes three months just to get to yeah. the actual, just like, like dumb tension and stuff. Yeah. I, I was trying to figure out when exactly it falls off the cliff. And I, I don't want to say uh, Uncensored was pretty bad, but I don't think it's that one. I think it is probably like Stampede or Slamboree where it really just feels I think like it's a... right after Stampede. Stampede itself is okay. I think it's yeah, right after Stampede. Then you just have like like Sting is like the solo tag champion and like the it's just like they're just throwing stuff at the wall and they have no idea what to do with that world title yet. Like they the just have no goddamn clue what they're going and like it felt ultimately it just felt like ninety eight they were just like swimming upstream because they just they didn't pay it off in Starcade, so they had no idea what the next step was going to be and had no idea how to finish the story. So they decided, similar to like, you know, what happens with many, many popular shows and many, many popular things is that like, until there's a definite end, it's just like, well, we'll just keep this thing going forever. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And it's just like, at this point, everybody was kind of starting to get sick of it and the turns and the and and even the Scott Steiner turn, which was a pretty good in its moment just felt ultimately like oh here we go and then you have the the dumb buff bagwell stuff throughout the entire summer oh, where yeah. like you know he's he's you know legitimately gets hurt and comes back as his mega baby face and then they do very similar to today's wwe where they just cannot have a baby face they just have fucking no clue what to do with the baby face so they have this guy like a perfectly made big time baby face that you do and then they just turn him and he just goes right back to where he was it just felt like well, everything they did just would ultimately go back a few steps or like, yeah or like popped out a wheelchair yeah, and then just like, ah, I'm going to feel again. And then, like, they did that, like, three <laughs> times. And it's just like, okay, like, enough already. And then, like, tease the Scott Steiner-Rick F- uh, Rick Steiner thing. Like, they didn't eventually even have a real match until, God, was it, like, Fall Brawl or whatever, even though he turned on him in February. It's just like, yeah. they ultimately, it, it felt like they just had no ideas left. And they just kind of completely tapped out at Starcade. And, and just, like, everything just kind of felt like it was going back to where they were before and back to what had already happened in 96 and 97. And it just felt like a slog throughout yeah, the entire like, year. Like, the... Like the the early part of the year, like I said, like the Raven and Benoit and, and DDP stuff, that's really good. And Goldberg, you know, getting his first big run and just killing everybody, you know that that. Oh, Goldberg's great. Yeah, Goldberg's yeah. awesome this year. And, and you get a couple really good matches early on with Saturn that are on pay per view that are good. So like that really hold up when you go back and watch them. So. I, I think one of the things that most sorry no, and then then oh well let Scott talk about that, but uh, one thing that I really think in '98 and it, it, it's pretty obvious too when you see the quality of of the matches and the quality of the pay per views is that the undercard guys I think finally felt like wait a minute we're never going to get an opportunity are we like we're busting our ass out here we're doing all this sort of stuff and it's never going to change we're never moving up a guy like a Jericho who did an incredible stuff throughout the early part of '98 and even until the end of '98 you can tell he kind of towards the last few months realizes especially after the Goldberg thing doesn't really work out it's like how oh, 
what the hell's the point? And even Malenko feels like he's just kind of like, all right, well, whatever. And like Benoit, who was, I mean, these guys were having incredible matches in 96 and 97. And now you can just kind of feel that they're just kind of like, well, what's the point, man? It's like, it's not going to matter one way or another. We're never going to move up. And it felt like that was the biggest issue is that there was no change in hierarchy from those prior years where it just felt like the same old guys are doing the same old things over and over and over again. And everything feels so similar that like you can tell in the effort as well the, the the main card guys had stopped giving any effort whatsoever like the big top tier guys in terms of your your nashes and halls and those sort of guys and then your undercard guys also stopped giving as much effort too because i think they realized that there's no upward mobility in this company that and, you're just never going to get an opportunity so and two of the worst nwo turns of all time with dusty sold out oh my god and yeah oh, Hart, and then bret hart on the episode of nitro when he turned heel and like helped Hogan again the title after Spring Stampede, and then weirdly would never put on the NWO shirt. Did that bother anybody else? Because that really bothered me as a kid. It was weird. Like, it was definitely kind of 12, weird. I was like 12 years old. I'm like, why is he in NWO Hollywood, but he won't wear the NWO shirt? And it was never explained. Nah, I just I was, like, it sucked. I was, really, <laughs> I was like really angry about it as a kid. I was like, why won't they not tell us why he won't put the shirt on? But I don't know. Scott, do you have any answers for me on the Bret Hart shirt mystery? No, because look, Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. I was in a way psyched about him going to WCW because it was going to be, you know, new opportunities for him. Um, in theory, um, started out well with the flare match and then they clearly had no idea what to do. And they had to be fair. There was no spot for him. Yeah. There was no spot for another high paid main event guy. They already had so many of those. And the, the, these guys weren't going to sort of step to the side and let Bret Hart get over. Mm. So yeah. it was it was just a big mess with Hart. Um, a lot of the year was a mess booking-wise. They tried to flip things around here and there, but it just always felt so stale. Like, like again, Starcade 97 was, in retrospect, the beginning of the end for WCW. Um, and throughout 98, you can feel creatively the wheels start to come off of everything yeah and, and I'm, I'm sure thunder probably heard it as well too I, and yeah. and you know bishop has said that as well where it's just like shit we gotta do two more hours of tv every week and it's just like you kind of felt and, and i felt like everybody because they had led for so long were kind of resting on their laurels a little bit but yeah that they, they knew and then i think once wf sort of emerged and took and passed them they realized well fuck we're never getting back here and like everybody just was like well we got guaranteed deal like that's when the guaranteed deals thing seemed to kind of rear its ugly head because like your nashes your halls weren't really doing anything bischoff felt like he was kind of creatively tapped hogan was you know in and out not really doing much either it's just like yeah you could just feel that like they knew they were done and they were just going to milk this thing for every little dollar that they possibly could i mean this is a run of shows in the in the middle of the year slamboree pretty bad great american bash pretty damn bad uh bash of the beach quite bad and then road wild and fall brawl two of the worst shows i think probably ever back to back which is not a, never a good thing to have. I mean, that Row Wow show is just so awful. There's like, there's nothing on that show, even like, like the only thing on that show that's even remotely worthwhile is like that Saturn Canyon Raven freeway. Yeah, that's not and, good. Like, <laughs> that shouldn't that, be your match. Yeah. Like, there's that battle royal where Goldberg beats everybody in the company. And it's just like, well, yeah, the worst part is too, is like they give Goldberg the title. And of course, you know, not surprisingly, it's in Atlanta, and Hogan's got a bunch of TV execs there and stuff. And oh, brother, I'm gonna drop that title to it. They have no fucking clue what they're gonna do with Goldberg either. It's like they build again, like they build to these moments, and then they they're just not quite sure how to pay it off. And then he's just yeah, in like a battle royal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then he's just kind of just marginalized from the second he wins the title. So it's just yeah, it's a disaster. Um, and that D- that Jay Leno match obviously is really terrible. Oh. 
Um, and then Fall Brawl, I said before, I almost said the worst war, game, war games earlier, and this is clearly the worst war games of all time. Unless anyone wants to argue with me about another one, but. Oh, no, no, no. This Scott, one's unquestionable. 93 is pretty bad, but this one's unquestionably, I think, the worst. Scott, what yeah. do you think of War Games 98? Well, they, you know, <laughs> ruined the concept of it by splitting it to three teams. Um, Saying you then, can win at any time. Yeah, so you, you can win at any time. You've got uh, just uh, uh, three teams. <laughs> three teams. God damn it. What are you doing? You got NWO Ray. Hollywood, which, yeah, you got Hogan, Stevie Ray, and, and Bret Hart. Who will put on the shirt? Why would he put on the shirt? He's listed here at NWO Hollywood. Put on the shirt, Brett. <laughs> Sorry. NWO Wolfpack with Nash, Luger, and Sting. WCW with DDP, Piper, and the fucking Warrior. <laughs> who came in. Uh, God, I. Was that. You know, it's amazingly the worst match that Warrior was involved in in 98. Yeah. Out of the two he had. Or <laughs> well, I think he had another tag match on Nitro at some point with Sting too, but yeah. um that was probably the best one. So Yeah, it's a really terrible show that has the the, the Rick Steiner Scott Steiner like five minute match after the, all that built up that ended in a no contest. And it's a really terrible, really awful show. I mean Halloween Havoc then is like a weird one where like in the middle of this awful period, and, and again World War Three would be really terrible too. But like they weirdly managed to put on a pretty good Halloween Havoc. Um, you know, like the undercard, I guess, isn't, I mean, there's Jericho Raven, which is good for seven and a half minute match. And, you know, Bret Hart and Sting is okay. And then you get that Goldberg DDP main event, which amazingly only goes 10 and a half minutes, but like, it's just, I don't know, like it's an incredible, like this, again, this is one of the things that at the time felt like a really, really big deal. This DDP who had been in these main events for all these months versus Goldberg, who's got this undefeated streak. And the crowd is so into this. They really wanted to see these two men have a clean fight. You know, these two baby faces in a clean match where one beats the other. The crowd goes fucking nuts for this. Um, it does a huge, the show does a huge buy rate, I believe. I think it did. But I know for sure when they replayed, because the show got cut off on a lot of pay-per-view providers, so they had to replay the match on free TV. That did like one of the biggest ratings ever. <laughs> like their, their biggest quarter hours when they replayed that match. So like everything about this, the crowd loved it and they never really did anything like it again. No. I mean, they doubled down on NWO bullshit like two months later. So yeah, I mean like this, this match, it should have been like a, a blueprint where it's like, okay, what's, what does the crowd want to see? They want to see Goldberg. They're tired of this NWO shit. They kind of just want to see good wrestling matches, which this clearly was. And they just never did anything like this really again. They went in the exact opposite direction. So I don't know. Any other thoughts on Halloween Havoc? Well, Hogan yeah. and Warrior is atrocious. I mean, yes, that's a really terrible match. I mean, you do it, it does at least become funny with Hogan fumbling with the fireball and, um, and, and the rolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Heart Sting match, I actually think, is pretty bad. Um, oh, okay. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. And you got fucking crab sting out there with his red face paint jesus yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> tomato sting he was not yeah, tomato sting he was not my favorite um and you know uh. they just they, i don't know it just felt like they weren't putting the effort in that night it, it felt like two guys going you know fuck it like I, I don't care we're gonna get 15 minutes let's just do what we're gonna do they'd actually had some fun stuff on tv leading up to that but maybe that's yeah. what i'm confusing with I yeah 
No, the match itself. He, Scott's right. It, it, it stinks. It's like you you think it's gonna be good, and they just like don't care. You know, what I mean, and that's that. I think what really categorizes the entire year is this: is guys don't care. Like nobody cares. It seems like exactly. I don't. I, I can't even tell you who cares the most in WCW 1998. Goldberg and DDP, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like DDP felt like the only guy that was getting any sort of upward trajectory, so he cared. And Goldberg kind of cared for like the first half of the year, and then or you know up until he wins the title, and then you can tell he doesn't care anymore. And Jericho, I guess, cared in the first half of the year, and then he stopped caring. But 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 like November, nobody cares. Not, not a single person in the company nobody not nobody cares <laughs> everybody just wants this thing to go away and they just want to bleed as much money out of it as they possibly can so starcade you know i mean world war three is terrible there's really no point in talking about it starcade you get that kidman hoovy mysterio and then kidman eddie matches are good and the rest of the card is a piece of crap <laughs> i mean you know kevin nash beats goldberg with via taser um and again, another match that, like, again, two baby faces, two big stars. Like, this did feel like a big deal at the time. And a weird thing that I almost think is lost in history is, like, Kevin Nash was, like, really over as a baby face at this point. Like, if you go back and watch those Nitros and things building up to this, like, the crowd was really into, like, the Wolfpack and Kevin Nash during this period. Yeah. I, I own multiple Kevin Nash shirts at this time. I'm not proud of that. But uh, they were available <laughs> at Kmart. And I, I love, I mean, Kevin Nash, like, the idea of, like, because that Wolfpack thing was awesome. And Kevin Nash, like, as a, as a, a whatever, I was 12 or whatever. I'm the same age uh, as you, John. Like, I don't know. He seemed, like, super cool. But now I go back and I'm like, oh, my God. He's, like, the lamest guy in the but world. They, but but then they flush it down the toilet eight days later. Right. To, to have him be, like, number two heel. Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? I don't think that gets talked enough about. Like, I think, you know, that, that fucking finger poker doom is so stupid. I, it's almost forgotten, I feel like, that they turned a legitimate hot baby face heel for, like, no fucking reason at all. Right, to be the second. Yeah, second but in the command second. or whatever, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. <laughs> any other final thoughts on Starcade or anything, Scott? No, just burn it. Oh, Scott? yeah, that's, that's about right. <laughs> all right so let's get into the picks here um best pay-per-view to me it's really close between sold out and super brawl i'm gonna go sold out um i really like that brett and flare match that puts it over the top for me so uh and worst pay-per-view to me is world wild i mean fall brawl is really awful too but that world wild stuff is just so terrible jay leno main events i mean jesus christ what do you have rich uh, I'm going sold out as my favorite, and then my least favorite is 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 Road Wild or uh, underrated World War Three is pretty terrible that year as well. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go one of those two. Uh, it, it's hard to pick. Probably Road Wild just because you know I said I like unique and different atmospheres. By that point, I was kind of done done with the Sturgis atmosphere, and then yeah, Jay Leno's in the main event, so that's uh, does not bode well. So yeah, one of those two. Make your pick of of one of those. I think they're both shit. So you can you know, there's no wrong answer there. <laughs> Uh, best, I'm going to go with Sold Out, uh, really good Hart Flair match, good Benoit Raven match, good Jericho Mysterio match. Worst, I'm going to go Full Brawl. Um, sort of ruined War Games, which was a big thing for me at the time. Uh, it just yeah, pretty, pretty much forever. Yeah, it, it just wasn't. <laughs> it just it, th- That show had one good match, which was Raven and Saturn. The rest is garbage, so I'll go Full Brawl. Um, match of the year, I'm going Goldberg DDP from Halloween Havoc. It's just it was such a big thing for me again as a kid, and it totally held up. I just watched it like two days ago just to make sure, but I just I still love that match. I mean, Goldberg sells that arm like a champ, and and then like you know when he hits that spear and he can't quite you know get back up and hit the jackhammer because of his arm, and DDP counters with a 
diamond cutter. It's so awesome. Like in hindsight, I know it's crazy thing to say because Goldberg was, um, you know, on the streak and everything. But knowing that we that it's going to end in two months via taser, they should have just had DDP hit the diamond cutter and pin him. Like Seriously, it would have been yeah. a way better end of the streak, and it would have been such a cool moment. But that's my match of the year. What do you have, Rich? Uh, match of the year for me, I put you know. At- I'm kind of cheating here a little bit with the the Nitro match, but uh, I put Goldberg and Hulk Hogan. I think that's one that, like, you know, yeah, maybe technically it's not the best match of the entire year, and 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 you know, obviously it's not a pay per view match, but I think that one just like I I can watch that match a thousand times and still enjoy it. The crowd just going absolutely nuts, feeling the culmination of the Goldberg story. It's like yes, like here we go. Like there were some things that they did wrong, but they got it right again. Yeah, and it's like ah. Uh, <laughs> minutes later days later you would realize but it's like on that one night you're like oh they do know what to do again they are good at it and then they just of course are not and they're bad again but uh yeah as far as um you know in, in terms of pay-per-view stuff definitely that hard uh, flare match i'd probably put but uh as far as overall matches i'm going hogan and uh and goldberg what do you think scott i'll go with the uh three-way with ddp raven and benoit and uncensored um just a really good sort of example of that three-way style i mean it was really brought on from ECW in a lot of ways. Uh, that wasn't a big thing for WCW at that point. So it was sort of new. It was, it was a good example of a triangle match, an example of a hardcore match, an example of just that three-way brawl. It just, I, I thought it worked really well, and it sort of showcased three of the guys who were still, at that point in the year at least, trying. All right. So, um, and I, I totally agree. All that st- I said that at the start. All that stuff is awesome. But that, that three-way is awesome, and all their singles matches, too, are really good. Um, MVP, I'm going DDP. Um, I just thought his first half of the year, again, all that stuff with Raven and Benoit, that almost saves the first half of the year for me. And then, you know, the stuff with Bret Hart in the second half isn't the greatest, but at least DDP was trying. Maybe Bret wasn't. And he's in my match of the year, which I just think was an awesome match with Goldberg. Um, the only thing that takes him down a little bit, I guess, is having to do those two celebrity matches, but he tried his best. They could have been even worse, I guess, if he hadn't. Uh, who do you have as MVP, Rich? Um, I have a, I had a tough time choosing between these. I had Chris Jericho uh, as one of them. I think his stuff in the early part of the year, character work-wise, and even his work uh, as well, is like next level great. Like this is one of, I think he's the first like heel that I was like, oh, this dude rules. You know what I mean? Like even though I'm young, I was just like, oh man, like I really like this guy. Uh, and then Goldberg, of course, would because you know the rise of, of him and just harnessing that character just perfectly so i go with a jericho or, or, or a goldberg because i think both those guys just understood their characters and 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 maximize them for all the opportunities that they were given until of course you know the end of the year where it kind of goes off the rails for both of them unfortunately because of themselves kind of so what do you think scott uh, i'll go with goldberg they um goldberg kept wcw sort of relevant in the monday night wars after steve austin took over uh the top spot in the wwf i mean Without Goldberg, the ship would have sank a good deal sooner. He was someone fresh in the main event. He was someone people wanted to see. So uh, I'll go Goldberg. And for a rating, um, I thought long and hard about giving it a one, but there's enough stuff that I liked in this year that I can give it a two. I mean, the stuff that's bad is really bad, but there's still some... I mean, the first part of the year is actually pretty good, and... You know, there's some good pay-per-views in the early part, and then the Halloween Havoc is good. So I'll, it's better than what will, what, will, what will be to come in the next few years. So I'm going to go two. What do you have, Rich? 
Uh, I have a three because I think like, yeah, I think by and large, it still has some pretty good stuff. Uh, the per- first half of the year is pretty good. And, and it, it, you know, there's some stuff that's all right. But yeah, the last half really puts it down for me uh, a lot. So you could definitely feel like it's starting to kind of get shaky there. So three is about the highest I could go. And, and even then, it's like a low three. It's a three leaning towards a two. Scott, what do you think? I'll go two. Um, there, there's enough that it's watchable, especially in certain stretches, especially, you know, certain placements on the card. Uh, but for the most part, it's just so clearly a company running on fumes. Like they had sort of maxed themselves out in 96 and 97. And to get any bigger in 98, they just couldn't do it. And they couldn't maintain where they were. Um, it just all sort of began to fall apart. So for the last two years, I don't think we have to go sh- show by show. because No, please don't. Bit, we're going a little <laughs> bit they long all here. Yeah. Um, but 90- <laughs> 99, let's just give a quick overview. I mean, you pretty much have the period from January through March where they're trying to do the NWO thing again. It's just not working at all. And there is some good stuff here, and it's mostly, again, undercard stuff. And, but yeah, I mean, like, overall, I don't, I don't, does anyone really feel strongly about these three shows that you want to speak up for? Maybe Super Brawl's okay, but. <sighs> it's a bad year i think it's my least favorite year there's we'll talk about it 2000 is like ridiculous and terrible but it's almost like laughably terrible 1999 just like what are you guys doing you guys are just the biggest idiots in the world just not making any sense (laughs) it goes from this period of like the early 99 where it's just bad and like horrendously bad and then it gets kind of boring and then russo comes in and then it's just like what the fuck is going on so if no one's to speak up with the first three shows spring stampede is good that's a weird um, yes. Oh no 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 no. Stampede, that show is yeah, good. It's very good. Yes. Spring yeah. Stampede is like this weird like last gasp. It, I mean, it's I in a lot of ways I think it's the last great paper they ever did. I don't oh, know if, sure. they ever, if they ever did another Spring one. Spring Stampede 2000 well, actually is another one. For some reason, Spring Stampedes were good. Like Spring Stampede 2000, if you ever go back, is like really good. And like unqu- like why is it good? It doesn't make any sense why it is, but it is. But yeah, no, I, I think definitely the last gasp of 1999 was Spring Stampede. So I should, yeah, I should clarify that where you know would go off the rails and then pretty quick, yeah. quickly after that. That four-way yeah. main event was weirdly good. Goldberg, Kevin Nash was good. Um, it has my match of the year, which I, I won't give away which one. But yeah, there's some good stuff here. Um, and then it goes right back to crap. <laughs> Slamboree, Great American Bash. Um, I don't know. The, the, pre, the, pre, the pre-Russo stuff, anything in there stand out to you, Scott? Is anything worth mentioning? No, not really. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 have, really I have so little to say about 99 and 2000. Yeah. Like, they're just... It's more fun to talk about the good than the bad, really. With WC, I mean, yeah. now we've we, we've we've shit on the grave of WCW, and so many people have, and there's books and all that sort of stuff that it seems kind of like counterintuitive yeah, to do 17 it again. Years. Exactly. It's just like, yeah, they're two just horrendous years. And, and... Fall, Brawl, Fall Brawl to me is the most depressing because, you know, you have Goldberg and DDP 11 months after Halloween Havoc, and they they tore the house down. Here they have like a nine minute match where DDP is like cheating in every way possible. It's just I don't know. It's just it's almost like a a perfect metaphor for how far the promotion came like came crashing down. Yeah. Um And then that Sting turn is like one of the worst of all time because like oh no one wanted it. You have this okay. Now you just that no one wanted it. But you're up Sting is face is the, the franchise of WCW against this guy who just spent two and a half years trying to kill the company. And replace it with his weird band of, like, almost like Nazi propaganda, <laughs> the New World Order. And it's like, why would anyone expect anyone to boo Sting for, like, hitting this guy with whatever the hell Luger handed him, the 
bat. He had Luca hit him in the bat, I guess. Yeah. It's like the crowd goes crazy because, of course, it's like if anyone ever deserved to get hit with a bat, it was Hulk Hogan. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, that's one of the dumbest turns of all time. That's that's a something WWE, I think, rips off all the time now. It just turns he, to turn, he, yeah. Just no, no, no. Not even just turn to turn. The completely justified heel turn, where the person supposedly turning heel is like a hundred percent. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, like Becky, you know. So, yeah, there you go. But um, the Russo part, I mean, I think everybody has said enough about Vince Russo. But for, I mean, this first three months is just, it's just really awful. I mean, there's no. Russo has a tendency to like put on like one good show sometimes, but he really didn't here. I mean, Halloween Havoc's really bad. Mayhem is pretty bad, and Starcade again is really quite awful. So, mm-hmm. I don't know any anything to say about the Russo era. Uh, it's just yeah, it's madness, and you can just tell it's like you know there's excitement going in there, and like you can tell that the, a lot of the guys are kind of excited about it too because it feels different, it feels unique. It felt like Bischoff was was obviously done, but then like within like four weeks, you could tell everyone just like oh this guy's an idiot, like he has no fucking clue what he's doing, and yeah, it, it does not lead to good shows at all, and leads to kind of disastrous shows too. So, uh, it it yeah, at this point, and and like it felt so sad WCW at this point, like you just knew that these dudes are are far behind and that nothing they're gonna do. It felt like that with the second they signed Russo, that like oh man, they this they got the guy that was gonna you know that changed the guard in in, in WCW, and then when he saw him, and then like it only took like a few shows, a few nitros, and a few pay per views to just realize not this was not the guy. Like yeah, it probably was good to give ideas to Vince McMahon, but this is not the guy that made you know the attitude era tick in in, in, in WWF. So yeah, once that kind of reared its ugly head, and he was just doing shit, and he was unfiltered as well. You were just like, oh boy, this is gonna be off the rails, and it, it, it was horrendous. Yeah, it was not as good as you remember it anyway. So it's like he brought the worst of that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't know, Scott, do you have any thoughts on Russo? Yeah, everything he did was bad. Yeah. I mean, look, I, 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 even the stuff he did in the WWF that people watched and reacted to at the time was bad. Yeah. It was artistically horrible. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's a funny bad element to it that didn't exist earlier in the year, but. All right, so best and worst pay per view. Is anyone going to disagree with Stark or with uh, Spring Stampede as best? No, no, God, no. Yeah, probably the best pay per view. I mean, I don't know what else you can even name. Worst, I go with Starcade. Um, you know, it's the it's the show that ended Bret Hart's career, so that that also is part of my bias towards it, but against it. But like, it's a show with Oklahoma <laughs> wrestling Vampiro and fucking I don't know Sting in the total package five minute match and. Uh, I don't know. It's just a terrible show. <laughs> I mean, the return of the Varsity Club, Medusa beating Evan Courageous, the Cruiserweight title, just awful show. I don't know, Rich, what's your pick for worst show? There's uh, a million you can pick. So. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, yeah, I mean, Starkid's definitely up there. I think Mayhem's pretty bad as well. And I think one of the things that's about Mayhem is you look at the card and you're like, oh, that should be really good. And the main event's pretty solid with Hart and Benoit. But, and like, they have a bunch of other fun matches, but everything goes like four minutes. It's it's a classic Russo. Like, it's like a 15 match card. It's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you doing this? It's just, yeah, that one stands out to me. I think Starkid is a very good pick as well. That probably. Yeah, I I would you know for the for the purposes of picking something different, I'll pick Mayhem. But Starkid is, is is definitely that too. Even Halloween Havoc, you can kind of go, but I I think Havoc's not quite as bad as some of those other ones because that was only his first day in. Whereas Mayhem and Starcade, you realize like, oh boy, this guy, <laughs> this is what this is going to be from now on, and it's really 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 bad. Uh, Scott, what do you what's your pick? What are we on worst pay per view? Yeah, yeah, okay. My mind wandered slightly. Um, I'll go with Road Wild. Uh, <laughs> we're the only. <laughs> 
The only good or memorable thing was Randy Savage tipping Dennis Rodman over in a porta toilet. <laughs> uh the retire the retirement of kevin nash yeah yeah that too <laughs> uh okay 2000 the last year we're going to talk about here it's almost pick your poison with this where you know the, the first part of the year uh, sold out through uncensored russo's gone but it's still total crap and it's total crap and like the real hopelessness that's in where like you know the radicals are gone and now you know the people on these cards can barely keep a fucking match together um i don't know it's just like this really feels hopeless early early in the year these three shows i mean they're they're three of the most pointless shows i think to go back and watch and they're not fun bad they're just really brutally boring yeah they're boring as shit yeah they're just so and that entire period is just boring like yeah russo you know it, it's it's maddening and it's ridiculous and it's it's too much but it's not really boring in that sense like i, I hate it and i don't want to watch it but these yeah. matches and these shows are just like yeah they're dreadful and the problem is that they didn't really get away all the way from the russo stuff like they were doing like dollar store russo crash tv but then also making it boring somehow it's just that first half is really 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 horrendous like terrible terrible wcw stuff and you could just feel the death you could smell the death on wcw at this point even linko like rolls out of the ring and the opening is sold out 2000 and yeah. forgets it's a match where if you hit the floor you lose <laughs> so like we get robbed of the only good match on that show probably <laughs> uh kidman and dean oh we forgot to rate 99 at one right one I mean, one mvp <laughs> for 99 i guess i i went with sid for my mvp because he was funny he made me laugh throughout the entire year uh, ben i did ddp yeah i did ddp Okay, 2000. Uh, the early part of the year is terrible. I don't know if you have anything to say about pre-Russo 2000, Scott. No, I, I got, <laughs> I, I got again so little to say about 99 or 2000. Like, I, I could, but I'm just repeating everything at this point. Yeah, uh, that you know, a billion people have already said like Russo was a mess. Even without him, he'd made such a mess that it felt completely useless to even try at that point. Yeah. Um. So the the new blood thing. I will be completely honest. Fourteen-year-old John fucking loved the new blood thing. <laughs> oh, it's mean, great! No, it, it it's good stuff, and it worked the first few weeks, and then yeah, course, like yeah. <laughs> I was just like so like tuned in nitro. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I don't like it's just it felt so weird, but like it just totally falls apart. Like around the time, David, like obviously David Arquette winning the world title. You know, we're in a in a period right now where David Arquette is like weirdly popular on the indies again, so it probably like doesn't look i don't know it might look, look different to people now but let me tell you david arquette winning the world title at the time people were really upset about that and i mean there were definitely people who who never watched w7 again after that happened so bro it was usa today bro you gotta look at the big <laughs> no yeah it's like you know i no, mean that should be like, like the the new blood thing almost works in its own weird way up until Arquette wins the title, and then that's it. Just well, and it, it works as well if like you're gonna make the young hotshot guys like the faces, and and the but they don't, and they kind of it's it's like you know the the idea and the concept, and it's, it's a perfect Russo thing is like the first day, like that reboot episode is awesome, like it's really good stuff. That reboot episode, the one where him and Bischoff come out there, like I really enjoyed that. And the New Bloods Millionaires Club, like the whole story of it made sense, and it was all pretty solid. And then like very quickly they decided to just kind of make it shit, and the young guys were the heels, and it's like no, like nobody wants to. People are cheering for these guys; they want the new guys to come in, and they didn't see it that way. And then it just got muddied, and then it just became classic Russo stuff, where you know he's got a good idea in his head, but has no idea how to actually execute it. So. And it just ends up being a complete disaster. 
and like you said, the spring spring stampede two thousand, you know, that's a, that's a pretty decent show just for all the crazy shit that happens on that show. But yeah, once you it has like spring, nineteen matches, it's it's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's so silly. Once you get to Slamboree, that's where it just falls off a cliff, and then you get yeah. to the Goldberg heel turn and the Ugh. fucking bash of the beach bullshit. Um, I I'll give a little shout to New Blood Rising. That's not a terrible show for this period. And then Fall Brawl, they almost have two good shows in a row. That's the best thing I can say. Where <laughs> Fall Brawl is okay, and New Blood Rising is pretty decent. And there's like that double ladder match um, on at New Blood Rising. There's like that weird Landstorm Mike Awesome thing with the ref that kept changing all the rules that was almost like, again, like funny bad. Uh, Booker and Jeff Jarrett was good at New Blood Rising, and Scott Steiner and Goldberg at Fall Brawl was awesome. Maybe like the last really awesome WWE seven-year match, and and before like that weird little two thousand one period, but yeah, then but then they have Halloween Havoc, which is like one of the worst shows of all time. Yeah. So then it like falls off a cliff again, and I don't know the rest of the year. You know, Mayhem Russo's like gone, but Mayhem's like okay, Starcade is like okay, but yeah, two thousand. I don't again, not a hot take to say it's bad, but. No, there's just nothing redeeming about it. Nothing interesting. And and like towards the real tail end, tail end of 2000, when you know this thing's just done and they're really just pushing a lot of young guys, it, it's cool in that sense because you feel like, oh, here's some young guys coming up, but you know that this thing's just like dead and and it's a, it, it's on death's door and whatnot. And and there just there there just wasn't enough buzz going on with it. And you realize that like yeah, they were just getting passed up. And and then when you know WWF is starting to get a lot better at this point too, you know they're they're hitting on all cylinders, angles oh, yeah. out there, doing great stuff. The Rock's doing good stuff. Triple H is at his best. Like yeah, and like their talent and they have Benoit and they got. I mean, it's just like they're so far ahead in every single category. And it's just like WC, you're done. You guys you guys have nothing left in the tank. Uh, so let's just get into best and worst. Uh, for best, I went back and forth. I think New Blood Rising, Fall Brawl, Spring Stampede—they're all pretty decent shows, especially considering you know how shitty the rest of the year is. But I'm going to go New Blood Rising. I, just the Canadian—I uh, don't know—the Canadian crowd was actually into everything. The ladder match is good. The Booker and Jarrett match is good, and it's 2000. It's not a high bar. So I don't know. What do you have for best pay-per-view, Scott? Uh, I'll go with Starcade. Um, WCW was, I think, just barely starting to kind of get it again right before they went out of business. Yeah. Uh, it's not a good show, but it's as good as WCW in 2000 got. So, what do you think, Rich? Uh, my, I, I'm, I said Spring Stampede 2000. I think that's definitely one of them. Uh, New Blood Rising, I, I do enjoy as well. And then Starcade 2000, I enjoy, but I'll probably go Spring Stampede there. But I think those are all three of those are pretty decent picks. Uh, worst pay-per-view, I think, is really easy. Halloween Havoc is just one of my least favorite wrestling shows ever. Um, you know, that fucking Jared Singh match with all the fake stings. Uh, the DNA match with Bagel and Flair. And uh, Booker Steiner goes to a DQ, which is like the only thing people were actually interested in probably on that show. And General Rection against Jim Tuckett and Lance Storm. No, just stop. So just terrible. stop. Stop talking about it, please. Kevin and Tigers against the franchise. Just stop, Tori Wilson. Please. Two, two women who couldn't wrestle and two injured guys. Ugh. Oh, terrible show. Rich, what's your pick for worst show? Oh, God. Don't make me pick. Um... <laughs> Bash of the Beach is pretty horrendous, so I'll go with that. I mean, I guess it's okay because Booker gets his thing, but there's all that work to shoot bullshit that, ah, uh, God, I just kind of hate that. So, I, dude, how do you even pick a worse than 2000? There's so many. There's <laughs> there's 11 potential picks for this one. I mean, they're all terrible. I will go with Bash of the Beach 2000, but you really can't go wrong. What's your pick, Fat? I'll go with Halloween Havoc. Um, 
because of the impassioned argument made just a moment ago. <laughs> it's so <laughs> terrible. I would like I watched that show recently, so maybe it's recency Ugh. bias, but like it's so awful. All right, match of the year: uh, Skyder and Goldberg at Fall Brawl. It's like I think one of the last really truly great WWE matches. You have to overlook a lot of bullshit with Russo interfering, but like it's just these two big dudes just like slamming each other and like beating the shit out of each other. It looks brutal. Um, I just love that match. That's my pick for match of the year. What's your pick, Rich? Uh, I like Goldberg Scott Steiner Fall Brawl 2000. So that was uh, that's one that I. Uh, it's Steiner was you know he's kind of my de facto, and I'll, I'll talk about it here in a bit. Like he he kind of emerges from this rubble of WCW as like a pretty you know I mean yeah he's not a great worker but he really emerges as like the top star and the guy that feels like the biggest star in that entire company at that point. So uh, yeah, I really like that stuff. I liked a lot of the stuff he did throughout the end of 2000 and into 2001. So uh, Goldberg Scott Steiner, but that's really low bar. If Goldberg and Scott Steiner is your favorite match, and, but yeah, it kind of is. So that's there's not much good on this year there really isn't it's so bad nobody gets more than seven minutes how do you have a good match in five <laughs> minutes with 10 guys interfering and it's a dq like it's tough what do you think scott uh same thing goldberg and steiner um it was just a really good fight really two big bulls yeah. colliding uh past Medeja's interference and russo and his incredible bending bat um it's pretty 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 fucking good match otherwise uh so i'll pick that one yeah, and then a rating. Hmm. <laughs> difficult, difficult. I think I'm going to go one. <laughs> Anyone want to give the Zero. Oh, it's a zero, John. You have to be able to give it a zero. Come on. This is so bad. It's a one. scales one through five. But if Meltzer can go seven stars or whatever, I can go zero on it. I'll go one. I'll play by your rules. But this is definitely a zero. It should be a negative. It'll be a negative 10,000. <laughs> yeah, I'll go one. Okay. Um, I mean, it's, it's just not hard to pick a number here yeah all right so um that pretty much wraps us up 2001 i mean we could just briefly say three pretty good shows and then the company goes out of business yeah, i like yeah. i like 2001 a lot yeah you got like a, a lot of just young dudes nobody cares like they just let these guys go do whatever you got eric bischoff saying i'm buying the company everyone's like oh yay and then it just fades away <laughs> and then it goes into nowhere so and then wwe takes over and wrestling has never been better <laughs> but I don't know, Scott. Any thoughts on 2001, real quick? Yeah, I like 2001. It was just again, it, same thing. Rich said it's a, a lot of young guys and the guys who hadn't completely given up hope yet, just going out there and having wrestling shows. I mean, that, that's pretty much all it was. So it's actually a, a fairly enjoyable final three. But like I said, Starkey 2000 it seemed like they were kind of starting to get it again. And that continued over for Sin and Greed. At least, I mean, Super mm-hmm. Bowl Revenge wasn't great, but. Uh, Sin and Greed were actually pretty good shows. Yeah, I like I, I like I, I like Super Brawl. Not as good as the other two, but it's it's fine. But yeah, I mean they they were introducing cruiserweight tag titles. Right they Paris, baby. Business. Oh my god! Like like they would have been so like that two thousand one WWE would have been good. I mean, Eric Bischoff was going to bring in Toyman guys. Like he gave an interview in a magazine. He was going to bring over like all Baltimore Dragon students and like just let them fucking loose on WWE television. Like, I don't know. I think, I, I really think he would have, like, I'm not saying it would have been, like, the greatest thing of all time, but, like, just a bunch of fucking cruiserweights getting to do their thing again on the undercard, and then, like, you know, Ma- Steiner at the time was, you know, actually somewhat interesting as a main eventer. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. Was great. Booker T, Booker T was, was having some good stuff as well. Like, Scott 
So guys that didn't, there wasn't that a lot of people didn't care at this point, but Booker still kind of cared. Steiner still kind of cared. Um, and those DDP guys that really showed in those main events. Derek DDP still, still cared. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Derek cared. I mean, he was never very good, but he cared. So I don't know. I, I, I was into all this and maybe it never would have worked, but it would have been nice to see them actually get the try. For sure. It would have worked better than WWE's thing did so, with the invasion and all that. So, all right. We don't really have time for questions, unfortunately, because we went long, but um if you asked a question i apologize uh a lot of them we covered though honestly but and always as always you can follow us on twitter at wrestle omakase not wrestling wrestling doesn't fit and if you ask questions for future episodes then hopefully we'll be able to get to them without going 40 minutes over what we planned on going uh scott go ahead do you have anything you want to plug uh just the twitter at tape machines uh follow me there good follow on twitter i will give the Thumbs Thank up, approval. Rich, uh, plug, plug a million things, probably. Yeah, no, they should all know this. Anyway, at Voices Wrestling on Twitter, of course, voicesofwrestling.com. You're probably hopefully listening to it on there. I'll subscribe to the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. I uh, also want to let people know the uh, New Japan Year in Review ebook is coming again. We're starting on that right away. So uh, make sure for details on that, voicesofwrestling.com. Uh, and on Twitter at Voices Wrestling again. And then, yeah, the Voice Wrestling flagship, which I co-host with Joe Lanza. Uh, we got that uh, coming up uh, this week as well. So definitely want to check that out. And, uh, yeah, just go to the website. Go to the forums as well. Uh, where discussion boards have been uh, been ramping up a little bit towards the end of the year, which is really cool to see. VoiceWrestling.com slash forums. So some good stuff there uh, to, uh, to, yeah, to discuss stuff with good wrestling fans and a good community. So, yeah, uh, definitely check those all out. And, uh, John, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks both of you for coming on. It feels like we're ending on a bummer because well, well yeah, and uh, WCW <laughs> ended on a bummer, so it's perfect. Yeah. The last two, I had a lot of fun talking about the fun stuff, though. Yeah, See? and we had fun watching it too. It's it's yeah. perfect. It should end like this. It should just yeah. end with like you know, in a desolate, dark, and it's just like Air Paris doing cool moves and like nobody caring and nobody watching. So it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, but yes, so next week I'm wrestling Omakase. We will be beginning our year in review series, which will take us up through the rest of the year. We have seven of those episodes this year. Um, Basically, if you missed last year, it's just going to be like each week we'll have either a promotion or like a type of wrestling. And we'll talk about different, you know, just talk about what happened this year in that promotion, Um, like various award or contenders for all the various awards, you know, focusing on like your Observer Award type of awards. So it's going to begin next week with Big Japan Pro Wrestling, the Big Japan Year Review. Uh, we're going to talk about Ryo Gokutan, which just happened this past weekend, all the other big shows, and, you know, is Masashi Takeda a real Wrestle of the Year contender? We're going to get into all that. Um, I guess right, so as of right now, it's scheduled to be a, a little bit of a Burning Spirits reunion, as I'm going to have on Drew uh, from Burning Spirits and Kevin Hare. So that was a podcast that used to be on this network. There'll be two-thirds of them coming back together for our Big Japan Year Interview episode. So definitely check that out next week. We might have a third guest, too. I haven't confirmed it yet, though. So I have to get back to you on that part of it. But either way, Big Japan Year Interview next week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on iTunes. And we will see you next week. Thank you again to both of my guests this week. And we'll see you next time.